Hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, we're live. Welcome <laughs> back, you guys. Welcome back to the weekend edition of Pencil to Pencil podcast with your best friends on the internet, Jamar Nicholas and Mike Manley. Say, hey, Mike. Hi, Jamar. <laughs> See how how hard was that? That was that was simple. Um, I hope everybody's having a good weekend. Uh, and also, I want to make sure I give a plug to our sponsors, as always, the loving people over at Graphicsly who uh, produce Clip Studio Paint. Um, just last Wednesday, we gave away some software, Mike. That was pretty fun to uh, three great listeners. Uh, and I hope they enjoy the software. I want to see what they make. It's going to be great. But I don't want to talk too long. Mike, do you want to tell everybody about who we have waiting in the green room? We have the great Sean Cheeks Galloway in the green room. <laughs> yeah, he's eating grapes and drinking Perrier right oh, now. Right. But we're about Only to... the best in our green room. <laughs> about to bring him in. All right, let's have fun. And also, if you are watching live, Remember, I can't see you. The only way I know you're here is if you uh, type in the comments. So please, let's set up some good questions for Sean or Mike or myself. Let's have some fun. Let's bring them in. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing hey, good. Sean. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, Mike, why don't you get started? I'll get the chat room going. Okay. So um, I guess... I'd like to start out with where I, uh, as I was talking to you before, where I first got to know you way back. It's sort of like before the internet blew up the first time. Mm -hmm. um, back during there was a was a, a message board called the drawingboard.org, and there was a lot of people on that board at the time. There was uh, you and Alberto Ruiz, uh, Shane Glines. Uh, Paul Ravoche. I mean, there was a lot of industry people mixing with young people and fans, people coming in. Right. And uh, that's why I first start seeing your, your uh, awesome, cool drawings. Well, thank you. Um, man, yeah, that board, you know, I believe at the time when I first joined, uh, Shane was running it um, before, I guess, maybe he had uh, another moderator take over. But yeah, so with that board, man, it, it just, you feel like a, a, a very small fish in a big, you know, big ocean, you know, as especially that uh, when you start seeing the names popping up of who's on the board, just felt really like an underdog, but in a good way that you felt like you, you had to up your game, you know, whatever that game is, you know, for, for the individual. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, one of the things I liked about it is that you got to, a real mix of professionals, budding professionals, fans, and it seemed like for a long time that it really mixed well. There didn't right. seem to be a lot of animosity. There was a lot of sharing, right. a lot of people pointing out and people mm -hmm. giving cr critiques and pointers and stuff. Yeah, I do remember a critique that I had gotten from Stephen Gordon back in the day on there. Uh, I drew this beast boy coming at camera, leaping, and he goes... Hey man, that shadow under his nose, <laughs> a little much. So I remember that one. And it, was, it was a good one because that's when I started learning, you know, about my lighting and stuff like that. So it, it's always certain, you know, critiques that that you can you can always relate to or, or go back to. And and Steve Gorn was one of the ones that, you know, he he was he just looked at us all as like equals to you know and want to you know 
see us grow. So I was very right. honored. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, uh, for, for those who are interested, you could probably look uh, uh, Steve Gordon up on Instagram and Facebook, but he was a character designer, I think, on the X-Men right around that time. X-Men Evolution, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so, so where were you in your path to glory at that time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was definitely not um, – I, I barely had a toenail in the door uh, mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, so, so the first form that I posted on was DeviantArt, right? And um, and even while I was trying to sign up, you know the uh, you know the um, the registration, I got discouraged because I was using my first homemade computer I ever had. Didn't really know how to type very well, so didn't even know the shortcuts how to get to the next you know uh, question. So I kind of got discouraged. So after several months, um, I had paused and then my buddy that introduced me to DeviantArt uh, originally he's like dude did you get on a big shout out to my uh, buddy Curtis uh, he's, he's a musician and uh, he's like uh, he's like did you do it I said no I, I didn't he goes man you gotta get on there he goes the community is insane he goes my mm -hmm. friend uh, she just got on there you know a few months prior she's in this community able to have correspondence so then I tried it again and I, I got on um, so it was kind of like crickets when I first got on, but mm -hmm. there was a couple of people that were very kind. They're like, hey, make sure take the time to go other people's posts, comment on something that either um, that you can relate to or something that you might want to critique on. And when I started doing that, you know, uh, I started getting the same kind of uh, reciprocation. And then that's where uh, it started building up, you know, the momentum. But what I liked about the forums, you know, with with DeviantArt and sketchbook sessions was that, uh, or the drawing board was that it's, you you had an idea of what people were really into about your style at that point. So, you know, the favorites system and, and whatnot, or the views that was tracking. What was great, uh, of course, the social media now has that too, but back then it was a lot easier to gauge of what they wanted out of you. Um, so I had a very exaggerative style but then I had uh, a very, uh, a very uh, middle ground style, and then I had one that was kind of caricature, but not, not really great. But I always kept it where I could have a sliding scale, um, just so I can kind of make sure that I'm not getting bored with one route that I was going in. But if I got too exaggerative, um, it, it got some hits. But when I went to my middle ground, um, it you know, which is my current house style, uh, it would get a lot of um, a lot of hits. But then when I went to the you know the character stuff, it just wasn't um, as I guess uh, a, a hit with people. So it was easy to kind of gauge. So once I figured out where to gauge it, you know, I kept going down that route. But then I just made sure I kept playing on the left and right side of of uh, of that uh, sliding scale so that I could keep learning basically. So what were you, uh, at that time, what were you interested in, in, in what were you looking at? I mean, what were your influences at that time since you were trying different, different things? Oh, yeah. So my main goal was to get into comics by 30. Uh, I, was, um, I was a teacher. I, I had a lot of miscellaneous jobs. I was in the Navy from 93 to 97. And so when I got out, uh, I wanted to use my GI Bill um, uh, down at San Diego uh, City College, but the 
the GI Bill wasn't enough to even finish community college. So, uh, yeah, I think I only got 10 grand. So I, you know, going into the Navy, I thought, oh, 10 grand, I'll be able to do all kinds of things. But, <laughs> but you know, um, but yeah, so it got me to a certain point. Um, but I had two great teachers yeah. in there that didn't care, that didn't care what path I wanted to take. They just wanted to give me the right information and the skill set to get there. So my life drawing teacher, uh, Nancy Livesey, she uh, she goes, Sean. So what do you want out of this class? I said, Well, I want to I want to draw comics, but I can't keep drawing from the waist up. And she goes, Okay. So so she goes, Go ahead, look at the model, and let's see what you can do. So I'm looking over my left shoulder, drawing, then looking back at my um, at the easel, and then she noticed a pattern that I was looking less at the model and more at my easel. She goes, okay, stop. I see what's going on. You're trying to draw what you think you know, not what yeah. you see. Yeah. And so she pointed out all yeah. the short, she just pointed out these shortcuts. Like, let's say for instance, short muscle, long muscle, you know, uh, she and she was showing me all these shortcuts throughout the body, you know, outside the calf, higher than the inside of the calf and uh, the distance, you know, um, the length from the elbow to the shoulder. So once she told me that stuff, that's, it blew my mind and really that's i felt like that's all i need to know except you know uh, aside from real anatomy you know so um and then just on, real anatomy that's all just real anatomy yeah <laughs> or, or, or to the point where i could fake it you know so <laughs> that's what i try to tell people like when i draw anatomy i'm not trying to draw completely 100 percent accurate i'm trying to convey and and kind of tricky believing that i know enough that the anatomy works, you right. know, and, and I don't think that's a hundred percent the accurate answer to give people or the path to take, but, but that was the path that I needed to take to get from being 29, you know, to 30. I had a year gap that I gave myself that ultimatum to get into the industry. And at 29, uh, well, I'll say this, let's back it up a couple of years that, that that's when I made that choice to get into 30, but then I got it at 29. And that at that point at 29, they took me for what I knew. And I was like, great. So I'll just keep learning as I go. So that I don't look like a schmuck basically um, in the business. Yeah. It's, it's a couple of interesting things you pointed out there. One is that you gave yourself a timeline. Mm -hmm. And two, uh, I actually had the same problem that you did in the beginning. And I, when I teach uh, figure drawing, it's very common for people who grow up looking at cartoons and animation is you tend to start drawing the model with what's in here, not what you're seeing. And you kind of override. And so you go back later and you look at your drawing. And it's like there's something off here because you're drawing the idea of the leg that right. you have stored in your brain. So, right. But I find that it's interesting that you gave yourself a timeline to try to Say, I'm going to, if, if you didn't make your goal, then what were you going to do? Do something else? Exactly. So I think because the internet wasn't like a huge source of um, source where you can, and if you did it right, that you can pull work from, you know, right. where, where it wasn't providing that kind of stuff just yet. Um, but what I did was even back then, wherever the internet was at that point, I carried it like, the model that I had, and I and I had been working since twelve years old in the um, in the food uh, and consumer uh, consumer pro consumer products. No, gosh, it's been a long time since I talked about this. Um, 
con- cons- customer service, right? So dealing with customer service. So I worked mm. starting at 12 years old as a busboy or dishwasher, then a busboy. But then I learned very quick that providing good service to one person will branch out for them to talk to about, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people about mm-hmm. the good service that you provided. So I used that same motto for the internet at that time where I didn't smart off. There may be comments that I felt like, oh, God, that was kind of harsh. But what you do is you try to find a way to play it off. And I made really great um, friends because you don't take it that serious. You take what you, you take what the intent was, not the way it was delivered. You know, and I think that's what we have to kind of sometimes remember um, that some people don't speak the way that we like to be spoken to. So mm-hmm. we got to find a way. How do we make it into a positive, basically? Um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry. I think I went off tangent on that one. No, it's all good. Well, well <laughs> no, you know, no, no, no. I think that's important. Yeah. That's important. Well, going to the idea about you being back and studying anatomy, uh, I have a question to share with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it on screen. All right. Ao says, "My question: How did you learn anatomy?" <laughs> well, the first thing was because of figure drawing. They taught me the shortcuts, right? So that was just the general idea of what I need to know. But that time frame from for two years, from 27 to 29, I sat in borders. Um, I would say anywhere from six to 10 hours. I was sitting borders. I couldn't afford the books. I would sit there in the, uh, in the cafe. I made sure I could at least buy the food mm-hmm. there so I can go look at the books. So I was using the Christopher Hart books of how to draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course I was looking through comics, but it wasn't broken down enough to where I could understand what I wanted from it. So I stuck to the Christopher Hart books. And then I saw the Andy Smith, how to draw cutting, uh, cutting edge comics. Um, or how to draw dynamic comics. And then for Chris Farr, he had how to draw cutting edge comics. So those were my sources where it showed me how to simplify the anatomy where I could understand it. But then later through the years, I started looking more at photo reference. Now, the reason I didn't look at photo reference for a long time was in high school. My teacher, she would, she goes, "Uh uh-uh, we don't look at other things because that's cheating. And I was like, oh, man. So I used that mentality for years thinking, oh, gosh, I can't look at stuff. But then when I had that ultimatum of get in by 29, I had to – I had to break it, break, break off that, that, you know, that thought that, you know, that thumb that she had me under for all those years. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, and then later I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about an animation moment, um, about how that, how was a no, like a, a duh moment, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so that's how I learned anatomy was looking through, you know, muscle magazines, but also Christopher Hart books on how to break it down. Basically I needed, I needed a way to understand how to group things, you know, uh, in, in order to go from that. I have another question from our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me share it real quick. <clears throat> and guys, if anybody has a question in the chat, feel free to ask. I can't guarantee we'll get to everyone, but I will try my darndest. Uh, so Soham says there's a lot here, but I was going to boil this down. Okay. <laughs> Tell us everything, Sean. <laughs> so, well, first of all, can I just say thank you, everybody, for tuning in? That means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we will definitely try to get through all these questions here. <laughs> uh, 
so uh, basically, Tom is an artist as well and is struggling between the balance of using reference and using imagination. Right. So the question is, what type of expectations should I have of myself and striking a balance between drawing from reference and from my head? Mm -hmm. And how, you know, how would you answer that? Yeah, so use reference until your mental library is full. Because once it's full, you can go draw without looking to stuff. Because like the teacher said, you can't draw what you think you know, you have to draw what you see. So if it takes you seeing that reference until you get it, do it. There's no, there's no, don't, don't feel bad, don't feel like you're cheating. Now, once you get to a certain point in your, in your skill set, and you're maybe mimicking another artist, um, it's okay to like elements, and it's okay if you want to maybe work for that artist's studio. Let's say, for instance, my tabletop studio. Then it would be expected that you can draw within 80 to 90% of my style, right? However, if you're trying to get work as your own uh, as your own individual self and be recognized as your own individual, individual self, mm -hmm. um, you have to make sure that your work cannot – be compared to somebody else's work. It's okay if they say, oh, yeah, I see how you drew that nose. You drew it like uh, Paco Medina. Mm -hmm. Okay, I use that reference because that's who I used to look at how to draw nose because he had a way to stylize the nose, uh, Mike Wearingo. I used to look at the cartoonier guys in comics, but, man, I had a vast appreciate, uh, huge appreciation for even the, the fine artists um, that I felt were in the industry uh, for comics, like Mark Silvestri back in the day, where mm -hmm. it was more about, it felt like fine arts on paper. Um, mm -hmm. So having appreciation of both and a farther away from the, uh, from each other, then you're going to find yourself right here in the middle that you can be you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a, a lot of students who ask about style and worry about style before mm -hmm. form. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder how you feel about people. I'm sure people ask you all the time about how you developed your style. I get that a lot. Mm -hmm. And so there was... Um, a time when uh, you know there was a group of us going to Chicago Comic Con. So this is a funny story. This is right when I got into the industry, and I think I just started getting Teen Titans Go covers. Let's not look back at those. That's right there. Is where I was terrible being on model. Okay, and I'm not. I I, I can I can say that y'all can say that. <laughs> that 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 that's how you grow. You cannot fool yourself, right? So. Um, so to go back to the topic, so we, we were a uh, group of us. We traveled to Chicago Comic Con, uh, not Chicago Comic Con, Chicago uh, Wizard Con. So at that time, it would take place right after Santa Comic Con. So it was like a real quick turnaround, like a weekend after the weekend and uh, like two weekends after. So we'd go there, and then it was my first time uh, meeting uh, Sanford Green and Cron Grant in person. So um, so. At, at that time, I was part of Lead Heavy, and then uh, they were part of Artzilla. Um, so big props. You know, Scotty Young had reached out um, to to several of us to come in and, and be part of Lead Heavy uh, as they were building up their Lead Heavy forum. Um, so, so we had, like, this fun rivalry kind of thing where it's, like, it's not about us being better. It was more of, like, Zang, you're doing that? Okay, okay. We're, we're gonna we're gonna try to steal a little bit of that and do that over here. You know, you know, not really that we were stealing from each other. It was just more like rubbing each other so we can push each other. It was like very nice camar uh, camaraderie, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, so Sanford goes. So he had introduced himself to me uh, within the convention, and then that night 
uh, they asked me would I be going to, I guess, some kind of, uh, um, it might have been the, a DC um, a, a DC after event. And and I felt like I was so new to DC. I was like, I'm not sure if I can go. He goes, but they had me They had me come to it. And he goes, all right, stay right here. I, I got something I want you to introduce you to. So then he, um, he introduced me to Karam Grant. And Karam Grant is like, bro. You know, he's so laid back. He goes, bro, I want to just tell you. I said, what, man? He goes, you keep doing what you're doing. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, I said, man, I, I said, I need, I said, I said, I got to, you know, harness, you know, and, and try to understand my style. He goes, I'm not going to say the complete word. He goes, F style. He goes, the story, <laughs> the story you're telling with the art, keep doing it. So, uh, so it's not all about style. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, form comes before style because you have to know how to bend the rules. Um, but when once you get to the style, then you have to know how to tell it into a story where it's not just a one-off image. Whether it's a pinup, you want them to spend some time there to to figure out the story as well. You know, but but yeah, so I thought that was pretty neat um, that that it's not just about form or just about style. It, it could be about something else, but. But for me, personally, I would say learn form first because I wasn't trying to push style so much before. I just didn't understand style. So it looked like I was being – or I'm sorry. I was trying to learn form, but it came off as looking like style. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was just a um, what came out of me trying to grow as an artist. But then you can see through the years, I started harnessing in understanding the form better. So there was a time uh, – around that time frame uh i wanted to do some work for upper deck uh and so i had met mark Irwin, and i was like hey mark you know uh i would love to do some work with you i love what you guys doing with the marvel masterpiece cards and he goes all right man he goes look because i'll I'll be honest with you man he goes you draw very exaggerative i said okay and and that's when i was pushing poses not necessarily the anatomy it was just it was the Mm -hmm. posing and and the camera angles he goes i want you to know i love it but if I take it and go show it to my bosses, they're going to themselves, basically poop themselves, right? I'm like, I said, okay. He goes, if you can find a way to tailor it in, then I think I can get you some work. And this is still the Deviant Art and the and the uh, drawing board days. So mm-hmm. this is where I was able to use the favorites and because use that as your barometer of how many comments are coming in and how many favorites. And that's what I use as my barometer to be like, okay, I'm finding that middle ground. And that's when I started getting work with Mark when, because he, he, he gave me very sound advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I always say that uh, style is the expression of your knowledge. So like you're mm-hmm. saying, if you understand form and mm-hmm. you know how to express it and mm-hmm. you end up having your style anyway, no matter what, you, you always have style, but people, right. when you're younger, I think sometimes think, well, I don't like my style. I want to be like Sean or I want to mm-hmm. be like Scotty Young or whoever, but mm-hmm. you can only be your own person anyway, because right. you can only express your own knowledge. That's so, right. you know, the more you study, I think the, the the more you will be able to express a style. But I, I think it was interesting that you were sort of tailoring your... Um, your 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 style or your your art how far you're going to push it mm-hmm. by studying the 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 message boards the barometer of the feedback because mm-hmm. i always liked people like um michael golden 
who was to me like the first guy who I would remember looking at who had a quote unquote cartoony style, right? Mm -hmm. Very cartoony, but he put in this incredible amount of drawing realism, even though like yeah. he would draw a Jeep and it looked like it was kind of bent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or a gun. Yeah. It would be kind of cartoony and bent. But mm -hmm. all the nuts and bolts and all the, you know, the axles and it was just like incredibly well realized. So, right. Yeah, um, definitely. So, so that, so how old were you then? Were you were over 30? As a, had you broken through your barrier then, your time barrier? So from, yeah, so 29 is when, um, so like at, at, at the, beginning of when I turned 29, I believe that's when Scotty Young had reached out to me. Um, and uh, at that time, I was a teacher's assistant with autistic kids uh, for the San Diego Unified School District. So I had a very flexible schedule. Um, that's why I was able to draw on borders, uh, you know, for these long extended hours is I, I'd work for four hours, you know, in the morning, then I go sit the rest of the day and I reward myself that if I didn't get to a certain point drawing at borders, then I can't go home and go watch TV. You know, so I, I had to find a way to self-discipline myself mm -hmm. um, because I had to get the drawing to a certain point so that I can color on the computer and be able to be have a privilege of watching TV as I'm coloring because that to me is the part I can kind of turn off a different creative side of the brain. You know, uh, not saying coloring is not creative, but it's a different creative side um, right. for me. Um, so, yeah, so Scotty Young had reached out to me and I thought – I thought, yeah, this is not him on my answering machine. I still had an answering <laughs> machine back in the day. I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, this can't be right. You know, <laughs> so so I called it up and it was him. I was like, oh my God. You know, it was it was nuts. He goes, Yeah, man. Um, you know, myself and a couple of guys over here, we're, we're digging what you're doing over here. We feel like you could be, be a good match for for you know, or uh, a good mashup for what we do uh, at Lead Heavy. You know, and then um, so he goes, if you're able to, why don't you come on out for a week, kick it with us, and then and then we'll go from there. So I was like, man, I couldn't I couldn't afford the trip. So the teacher that I was working in the room with, um, she I told her about the situation, and she goes, you know what? I have these free frequent flyer miles. I'll let you use it. And I'm like, are you kidding wow. me? I never had somebody just give me something like that out of the blue you know she goes we know where your passion's at and we can't thank you enough basically for being here doing what we're doing you know for the class but this is your moment basically you know so she signed it over to me where i could use the frequent flyer miles went out there for a week um so it all worked out to where part of the lead heavy you know and then uh and then and then scotty gave me my first gig you know um for Venom number 13. He goes, can you draw? Oh, he, he, uh, yeah. So he goes, can you draw a page a day? I said, I said, that's what I've been practicing to do. He goes here, why don't you send me some test samples? So I drew a few pages of Spider-Man and Boomerang, I believe it was. Uh, and then he goes, okay, yeah, I could use improvement, you know, but I think you can get to a point where that you can take on the job. So I got the job. Um, now, I wasn't clear if I was supposed to mimic uh, Francisco Herrera's style or if I could be myself. And at that point, I still didn't even know who I was as an artist because I didn't really have a set style. I was still exploring. Um, so so what I did was I kind of like, okay, I'm just going to mimic Herrera the best that I can, 
you know, because um, I, I was a fill-in penciler for the rest of the pages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I believe, so I had to draw 16 pages in 15 days. I never, you know, thought I would do that. So, Welcome to the comics, kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, my first gig, I knew, I said, wow, if this is what I have to do for the remainder of my career, if it doesn't get easier than this, if I if it doesn't, if I'm not drawing a page for 14 hours, because I was drawing 14 to 16 hours just for a page. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I need to make sure that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, so then after the job was done, I started drawing more cartoony uh, again, you know, uh, and then trying to figure out what can I take and learn from this experience. And then and then. Comic-Con 2014, um, so I was, you know, so, you know, this all happened as uh, being 29. Uh, DC Comics had a panel, and it was a talent search panel. So you have to go to the room. You have to uh, fill out. You have to um, listen to the whole, um, to the whole uh, panel. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you fill out the, uh, the form that goes into your portfolio that you go back downstairs and submit to the DC booth. So, so my friend came down um, to the DC, to the DC booth, and he's like, he told me he's like, "Hey man, I just came." So is that is that my stuff doing that? No, that's me. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so go ahead. You're good. <laughs> um, so he's like, um, he's like, "Hey man, I just came from the DC booth uh, or DC panel." You. You should really do that. I said, yeah, but all I've done was it has just mostly pinups. And he goes, yeah, but you you did that Venom comic. I said, yeah, but man, it looks terrible. I, I said that that would actually do the opposite of give me a job. He goes, look, is it published? I said, yeah. So it's my buddy Carlo um, back in the day. He was my roommate, and he's like, he goes, dude, you've been published. Your pinups are fully colored. What do you have to lose? I said, you know what? You're right. But I want to tell you guys something. Before I stepped into the convention that day, that morning I was – I had a t that, that, that whole week that led up to Comic-Con, I had a slew of DeviantArt folks staying at my pad. I was living above a club in downtown San Diego, <laughs> and I had this huge flat above. So it, it could, you know, house at least, you know, like 20, 15, 20 people up there. So, so you know, um, one of my buddies, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Kane, he's like – he goes, hey, man, let me just ask you, what is it that you want out of this convention? So he, he had already put the thought in my head, what did I want out of this convention? And I was already 29, so I knew my answer. I said, look, I'm going to go hit up every big company in there, mm -hmm. and if they turn me down, they turn me down. But I'm going to hit them up. You know, I said, I got nothing to lose. But I lost sight of that when my buddy came down to that DC booth. So we're fast-forwarding that day at the con. Yeah. And when he told me, he goes, what do you got to lose? He reminded me of what I said that I kind of neglected, you know, uh, I didn't practice while I was preaching. So I said, you know what? You're right. I went up there. I showed up late. And the moderator, he's like, oh, guys, let's welcome the late guy with the hat back there in the back of the room. So I heard that. I was all put on blast, you know, so I was like, I didn't know what to think. Because I had a, I had a sense of humor. I knew that he was being funny, but it was a little awkward. But I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to soak it. And I was like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, so I'm late. You know, so I sat down in the bag. I had my hat down kind of low. You know, so I was listening to what he had to say. And and the, the information he had to offer it just made a ton of sense. So that's like, okay, I do have a published thing, you know, but I don't have the originals, you know, and I don't have scans of it because you had to just go send it in at that time. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I raised my hand. And I didn't even tell him what it was for. I said, you know, if you've been published, uh, could could I still use it? If if it's if it if you only have a comic of it, if you don't have the originals and made, made scans, he goes, if you think it'll get you work, then put it in. I said, well, I don't think it'll get me work, but I'll go ahead and put it in. You know, so uh, so after the show, um, um, I filled I filled out the form. I drew on the envelope. And it looked terrible. I'm like, <laughs> what did I do? I just totally ruined my chance. I drew this ugly looking Wonder Woman. I don't know what other stuff I drew on there. So I was like, oh my gosh, okay, here's a Hail Mary. So I, I put it into the booth. Uh, so how they had it set up, you come back the next day, you look mm. in the morning to see if your name made it. I couldn't look, I didn't want the rejection. I looked down. My my roommate was very supportive. um, Unfortunately, he didn't make it, but he was being supportive of me, which meant a lot to me. And then another DeviantArt guy that wasn't staying in my pad, he goes, uh, Ted Wing, he's like, hey, dude, you know, oh, hey, what's up, Ted? You know, so we were all there trying to see if we made it to the next thing. I was looking down, and then my buddy Carlo, um, he's got this high pitch. Dude, dude. He goes, look, you did it. I was like, what are you talking about? I looked up, and I was like, oh, my God. Gosh, my name was up there. I made sure it did a rotation. I had my camera ready. I had to take a picture of that moment. And uh, so uh, I said, whoever makes it, you know, it's at this point, meet in the uh, in a in room so-and-so at 4 o'clock. So I'm making my way up there. I made sure I wasn't late this time. And then who is the person that I was paired off with? The moderator, you know, that, you know, was, uh, you know, uh, you know, elbowing me in the ribs. So basically uh, this moderator – was Mark Chiarello, you know, and uh, so, so we sat down, we talked, and then he's like, he goes, look, man, you know, all can aside, you know, uh, you know, you know, he wanted to set the tone straight here. He goes, look, he goes, I want to let you know, I went through a ton of portfolios a night, about to throw in the towel. He goes, I got you yours. I said, oh my God, because the envelope, obviously, you know, <laughs> so he goes, but I I got to let you know, when I opened it up, it was a breath of fresh air. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, I didn't know what to what to say to this. He goes, he goes, I, I need to know what made you think to draw this picture like this. And he was referring to um, Spider-Man being crouched down along a wall. And it was a crazy angle. I was coming from behind Spidey at a low angle. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes, I want to know why you put this vertical bar and this vertical bar. He goes, I know it's a pinup, but why did you decide to break it like that? I said, well, I want, I didn't want people to miss the important moments, what was happening to the left and what wasn't happening in the middle and then what was happening to the in the right of, of, what, of what caused these things happening in the first two panels. He goes, he goes that's exactly why he, today I'm going to give you a job doing covers with Teen Titans Go. I'm like, oh, my God. Gosh, this was so surreal, man. Uh, yeah, so from that point, you know, that was the beginning of my my path to DC Comics, um, and and again, I wasn't a strong at a strong level of knowing form mm-hmm. or knowing how to be stylized. But what he saw was that I was trying to be cartoony, I was trying to be realistic. So he knew he could mold me into the middle, and that's that was the the thing that I had. You know, back then uses the barometer, you know, of of using that to mold where I was at. But he knew from from a real art director's point of view that if I can go here, 
I go here, then I can definitely go somewhere into here. You know, uh, now me understanding the form for Teen Titans Go didn't happen quick enough of what I would like to have, mm -hmm. but at least I was able to tell a kind of story for the covers you know, um, that need to happen, you know, so I, I definitely cannot look back at those covers, but, but I'm always thankful that people can remember those, those times. Yeah. Well, I think everybody has that about your artwork. You know, you, you, you don't want to look back at your old, at your old stuff. You just see the mistakes, you know, you see the thing that you would, you would change, but that's good because mm -hmm. if it was the opposite, mm -hmm. then you would eventually you'd peak. And then right. that would be it, you know. That that would be the, the 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 death of growth. So, right. um, but uh, so do you have any more questions, Jamar, in the in the room? Oh. Uh, yeah. So, Sean, you're gonna say something. Yeah. Oh. If I can just give you two quick moments. Sure. Um, so, I believe it was between 2003 and 2005 when these two conversations happened. Mm -hmm. I got I got an email. Well, three things happened between that time frame. Two were conversations. And one was a purchase of my art book. So the reason why these are very were very critical in in my you know in that time frame of when I was making that uh, that transition and to really get into industry was that it, the first correspondence was J. Scott Campbell. Mm -hmm. He emailed me out of the blue. He goes, "Hey man, I want to let you know, keep doing what you're doing. Nobody's doing it." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Because he was one of the guys that I really looked to because. He knew how to not just be cartoony, but he had solid form, you mm -hmm. know, and, and real good caricatureness uh, and not just with in the face, but he knew how to push acting. So I knew that was the kind of artist I wanted to get to, mm -hmm. you know, um, to 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 be, you know, uh, as strong as that or, you know, have that kind of uh, a skill set. But then I had gotten a purchase from Terry Dodson through my PayPal, I believe it was PayPal at the time, mm -hmm. that he purchased my art book. So it, those two moments meant I was doing something right. Um, so wherever they may be, you have to recognize where that's happening, that you're doing something right, whether it's using the Internet as your gauge of, of who's commenting, you know, the likes, the views. It means you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. um, but then the, the next correspondence was with um, Nick Bradshaw. And at that time, I believe he was drawing Sacred Circle. Uh, I believe that's what it was called. It was uh, some, uh, I believe, like uh, Indian supernatural type of story. Mm -hmm. And so he 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 had, um, I believe it was over I am. He just, I am me out of the blue. He goes, hey, man, I got one question for you. What the hell happened? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, from 2003 to 2005, what the hell happened? I said, well. I said, can you elaborate a little bit more? He goes, you had such an enormous growth spurt from here to here. He goes, mm -hmm. what were you doing? And that's when I sat on boards for those two years, really trying to soak it in. I And I was on that path trying to really make sure I got in by 30. So, mm -hmm. uh, But what I did was I made sure that even though I took it serious, I was soaking in the moments and the vibe <laughs> I was getting from people that were kind of watching me do my sketches. Mm -hmm. But I had my headphones on. I was diving in. Um, but, but yeah, so it, that's how I, I really knew I was on the right path. Did you, did you, um, break up what you were studying? Like one day you would do anatomy or you do faces or you do animals or you do perspective or, um, so funny enough, I wanted to be an interior designer, although I love comics, 
I didn't know how to draw people well. I knew how to draw backgrounds um, perspective-wise, not really organic landscape stuff uh, or, uh, yeah, organic um, organic stuff. So um, when when I was sitting in a coffee shop, Claire de Lune down there in, uh, what was it, North Park? Yeah, at least North Park in San Diego. It took me six hours to draw two buildings because I was trying to get the perspective on point and I had my tape so spread apart <laughs> trying to juggle it on my lap I was like there's got to be something else and that's when I started thinking okay I'm going to start trying to draw people you know more so then I started drawing faces a bit more um, and then my posing was very generic um, but I was only trying to draw what I could scrounge out of my head you know but right. then but then after about a year of doing that something clicked where it's not trying to draw it um, as just like a medium shot or pen out shot that's just dead on. My my mind, for some reason, started thinking, like if I'm looking like this, let's say I'm, you're looking at a cube straight on. Now, I'm going to use your eyes as my eyes, okay? So if I thought and I lowered my body, you know, in my mind, if I lowered my body or if the object was tilted back, man, things start disappearing on this top plane up here, right? So let's pretend that's the top plane right here. That, that means I can't see that neck. I can only see the head. Mm -hmm. So so then I started thinking in, in my mind like this. I said, oh, my gosh, that's it. So the first piece that really um, that really had me think like that was my thing. Uh, it was, uh, it was the, the thing, Benjamin Graham. Um, and uh, it was where it had um, the – I took a moment where I uh, of a time where I used to visit Taiwan quite a bit because I'm half uh, Taiwanese. So we would go visit, and I, I'd always remember the big red metal gates, the kids running around in their school uniforms. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to draw the, the thing in this moment. And I remember scooters, and I'm going to lower the camera just a little bit where we still get this crazy thing that I never – thought of to draw before and and then it became an elaborate scene i started thinking in three dimensions instead of just a flat two two dimensional thing and and that's what i think uh, uh was nick's you know um i guess nick's uh, you know why nick had reached out to me i love it <laughs> I, I didn't mean to last that long, so sorry. No, 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 no. no I love it. Like anytime yeah, yeah. we get to talk shop with other guys who like to talk, just it, you know, just makes a better, a oh, better I love flow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love right of my mouth. So this is awesome, man. Right on, right keep on. going, keep going. I, right. did, I want you know I wanted to touch on the kind of the 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 begin. I want to say the beginning of the internet. But it seems like you came in at a time that was kind of pre-Google, right? Yes. And yes. it was also the time of the um, kind of like art crew. Like there were a lot of people who were teaming up just mm -hmm. because there wasn't a lot of ways to either find people who were doing what you were doing at a level that you wanted to be at, or there was no way to find information at a right. really good clip. So you saw a lot of people starting to kind of join forces. Right. Um, and one of our questions is from Vicho, mm -hmm. who asked about DeviantArt. Mm -hmm. And DeviantArt was, was it for a long time, but I don't know mm -hmm. if it's the same it anymore since Instagram right. showed up. Right. So his question is, is DeviantArt 
And that interaction you mentioned still a thing or has that moved to Instagram or other platform, any other uh, platforms? Yeah, I can easily say um, Instagram is the it right now. Um, oh. You know, and it's, and that's not to talk poorly about DeviantArt because that gave me my first, you know, exposure. Uh, so I'm always forever grateful for that and, and the connections I've made and the friendships I made on there. Um, I think what happened was that the these um, communities started learning how to streamline it into an app version where it wasn't clunky. Um, whereas DeviantArt, before it ever became an app, it kept only being a desktop type of uh, community. Um, so it got surpassed. And then although they started making an app, the app was still clunky where they didn't streamline enough. So even though we, myself and I'm sure millions of people tried to still use the app, it just, it couldn't keep up to Instagram and how easy it was and how powerful hashtags and commenting was happening. It's, always, it's the path of least resistance. It's like it's the Instagram is easier to use than DeviantArt. Yeah. And DeviantArt was always, I never really myself liked the design of DeviantArt. I thought mm -hmm. it was like, it was kind of like all over the place a little bit because uh, right. I set mine up. But right after I think I set mine up, I went to Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then within a year, like everybody just, right. everybody follows. And then there was ArtStation. I don't know if you're an ArtStation people. Everybody jumped yeah, on ArtStation for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. people sort of like jumped off. And then there was something else in between. It was another. MySpace. Right. But that was in before. Yeah. Well, MySpace. Is in, I think well, I stopped my MySpace in 2008. Well, Massa, Massa Black had their own uh, form also. Um, and then Mike Kunkel had his. The Stashing Factory, I believe it was called. And then Ben Caldwell had his. Um, and yeah, I think once things started going more streamlined, man, I do miss the easier times. Um, but now the easier times is, is being able to be mobile anywhere, you know? So man, who wouldn't want to jump on board to the old school forums again? Uh, mm -hmm. you know, if, if these apps can, but man, apps are expensive. I, I even looked into trying to make my own app. It's anywhere from 50 to 75 to a hundred thousand dollars just to get, uh, an app to be interactive the way you want it uh, and whatnot. But but yeah, so to go back about the DMR, the reason um, I really left, uh, although it was for the reasons that I mentioned, was that it got to a point where the moderators were not the moderators anymore. It was artists that were self-acclaimed moderators that if they didn't want yourself on the front page, that they can just boot it off. You know, so nobody was getting a fair shake anymore. Mm -hmm. So with Instagram, now it's all about what is your what is your hustle going to do for you? Whereas it's not about what somebody had done where you can't get the exposure that you need. So now it's really about our individual selves is why I think I like Instagram more. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, another question, but I'll, I'll hold that for a second. Okay. okay. Um, is it about where I got my nickname? Well, I'm telling, <laughs> the, I'm telling the, the chat room who are asking some really great questions that I want to be able to flow this into the conversation rather than to like break it up in weird places. So go ahead, Mike. Um, so um, then you were also working in animation. You got into animation doing some character design right on Spider-Man. Well, okay, so um, when I got 
when I got into um, onto Teen Nines Go, I had a great run for two years. Um, so then I got an email, and I and I love to work with Chirilla. Like he really, he really had a great vision. So he knew how to keep me on point and not let me get too, too goofy. Uh, and you know, when it got to the two year mark, I was like, how much longer? will this last? You, you never think it's going to last forever. So you kind of have to start putting out feelers. Um, and this is when I started becoming more of like, okay, I need to start, make sure I, I network a bit more. So, um, so because of the drawing boards and people pointing to, okay. So what happened during the time I was on Teen Titans Go, I started loosening up. I started getting more, um, more organic with the posing, right. Instead of just, you know, just opposed just to be opposed where I didn't mean it to be. It's just, I started streamlining stuff because I didn't understand volume very well. So people mistook that thought I was streamlining because I wanted to be a designer or work in mm -hmm. animation. So I didn't know what they meant. I just kept going with what they were saying. I was like, cool. I'm glad they like it. So I'm just going to keep going. But then I started understanding some things a bit more along the way. So I guess that led to, you know, uh, certain, uh, several people, you know, uh, my pal, Rick Cortez, you know, and, and a couple other people, um, you know, um, Shane, um, uh, my buddy Shane, uh, so they, they pointed Tad stones in my direction, um, mm -hmm. from the drawing board, mm -hmm. a really great guy. Uh, and he's like, they're, they're like, Hey man, we know you're looking for guys on Hellboy. And at the point, I didn't really know about Hellboy, you know, or Mike Mignola. I mean, I knew of Mike Mignola's work for DC Comics, you know, but I didn't know about Hellboy. Mm -hmm. I wasn't uh, familiar with that, with that IP. So they're like, we know that you're looking for somebody. Look at this guy. Maybe he could bring something different table. So Tad reached out to me in email. And I think I was still using Hotmail that time, and I thought it was spam. I was like, so oh, should I take a chance? Should I take a chance opening up this email? <laughs> And then I said, you know what, what I got to lose, <laughs> you know, um, because, you know, I wasn't having a steady income with the covers. I was still working for the San Diego Unified School District. So all this time I was still working a regular wow. job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, because I was only getting a cover one one every month. Right. So you get X amount. So, you know, we know from the math that that just wasn't enough to cover everything. So so anyhow, um I read Tad's email. He goes, you know, uh, is basically we think what you're doing is different enough to where we'd like to test you out. Would you be interested? Mm -hmm. So, so I tested out. I sat in borders. I had to go look at the Hellboy graphic novels, and uh, so it's funny story. Like I actually had met Mike previous to the test, uh, or even previous to Tad reaching out because I, I was such a fan of Mike's stuff from his DC and Marvel stuff. You know the X Men uh, was it? Uh, um, what was the Apocalypse? Um, yeah, Cosmic Odyssey. Uh, well, Cosmic Odyssey for one, but what was the uh, Apocalypse one that he did? The graphic novel for the X Men and Apocalypse thing? Was, uh, with Wolverine. Yes, with Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those are the things that really caught my attention back then. Um, so, but then when I found out that he was uh, designing or a correspondent or uh, uh, yeah, correspondent for um, for uh, Atlantis, the movie, because I was such a fan of how that movie was looking. I said, "What?" Mm -hmm. he, and you could you could see some mannerisms with the designs and stuff for the slopes right. shoulders. So I had bought the graphic novel. 
um, when it came out, and, and I and I saw him walking away from the table. I was like, oh man, I got I got to make sure I get his his autograph. So when he was walking from this table, I was like, hey Mike, such a big fan. You know, I'm, I loved Atlantis. Can I get you signed this? And he goes, sorry. I said, well, I got a pen right here. He goes, sorry, I, I've stepped away from the table. I was like, oh shoot. So that was my first encounter with him, and then. I'm not sure how many months later or a year maybe later that that I would be designing his show because he he had said yes that that's the guy that's not trying to mimic me he's trying to do it his way mm-hmm. and 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 uh, so mad respects you know for for Mike to to ever you know and Ted to give me this opportunity so um, but yeah so Hellboy was my first um, big animation gig. So I did have some smaller stuff um, before then. That's where my buddy Shane had put my my uh, work in front of um, WB uh, uh, Warner Brothers because he was at Warner Brothers doing prop design for them. So uh, he brought my old Ashcan, you know, books. You know, he showed them, and they actually reached out to me to to see if I'd be interesting in testing out for uh, what was the uh, the show at the time. Um, Legion of Superheroes, I believe. Are, okay. Is that right? Legion, Super, the Superman, the, the Superboy, Legion of Superheroes. So that's James Tucker and Sean McLaughlin, I believe, was right. there at the time. So so it was crazy. Yeah, it didn't pan out, but it was just crazy that it my work at that point was at a point where animation folk were, were thinking that this could be, you know, something we could work with, you know. Um, so I had done behind the scenes Disney stuff for for the pitch Bibles, but then Hellboy was my first big animation um, thing. Um, well, you know the business is funny that way because it's sort of like um, when a new artist comes along that everybody likes. It's sort of like a virus; it spreads very quickly. Everybody, you know, on Instagram, if somebody puts something hot, somebody new comes along, it's cool. People are on it within a matter of like a couple days. Right. And back back during like the drawing board, the early 2000s, there weren't as many people on the Internet. There was a lot of guys I know that still are not. They didn't have their own Web page. They didn't have their own. Uh, they did. They weren't on uh, MySpace. They weren't on Facebook. And in fact, there's now just I would say in the last year, there are people who have gone from. Facebook over to Instagram. You're finally seeing like another little wave yeah. of, of migration. Right. Um, and what I, again, I always find it very interesting because the path that you followed or you took or were able to take advantage of happened because of the internet and you were able to get people to see your work by just putting it right up there and people could see it immediately. And right. even five years before, you couldn't have done that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and that's that's the kind of thing I I really encourage when I speak to people, whether at conventions or, you know, or you know, just one on one conversations. Like, it's a changing world. We, yeah, I was I was resistant even against Photoshop uh, at really? age twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, I barely even knew it. How I started learning hotkeys was when I was couch surfing around 27, 28. I was living on Joel Benjamin and Ron Odegawa's couch. Um, and one thing I always told myself, I never, ever ask for work. If my work is at a certain point, then I'll get hired. So that was my model back then, that 
when people felt I was ready, then they'll reach out. So, but what I did was I did ask for help in regards to how do I learn Photoshop? You mm -hmm. know, I, I don't know how to do traditional coloring, you know, so I, I need to make this plunge. So Joelle would give me tasks. He said, okay, bro, you're going to flat these pages. I'm going to teach you some hotkeys, write it down. And, and he was a very great teacher in regards to that. And then on the side, when I was taking a break from that, I would reach out to Ryan, knock on his door. Hey, Ryan, uh, what do you think about this drawing? So he would, he go, he goes, watch out for this and this, and he showed me shortcuts. So I was getting the help I needed at that point too. And, and then we'd go to these live drawing classes um, down uh, by sports arena. And then Joel's, I never, I, uh, the first time I met Joel's brother was when Joel, uh, Joel's brother came to the live drawing class, Ryan Benjamin. And that was the first time I ever meeting him. And he goes, you know, so we started talking and that time I didn't have the name Cheeks or anything like that. You know, they just knew me by Sean. And then, uh, so Joel introduced me. He goes, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. He goes, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Cool, cool, cool. He goes, yeah, you need to work on this, work on this. So it was really cool, you know. So um, I lost track where I was at. So what was I talking about this for? Well, we were just talking about how oh, you were taking advantage and learning. Right, you were having right. to learn things that you didn't, you didn't know, but you yeah. had to learn them basically to go to the next step. Right. Yeah, because I, from the conventions, I could already see from and compre you know, uh, gather from my conversations that this industry is moving towards digital. You know, um, so I made sure that because I couldn't afford Photoshop was one of the reason so i said okay i'm going to try to do traditional but i couldn't really afford you know all the all, you know all the um all the stuff to do that either so thank goodness that uh you know joelle had taught me the hotkeys and then i got uh, mentored by tony washington you know uh I learned how to be better at picking colors or or how to block out stuff so it, it's been crazy within those two years of and it was never asking, can I get a job? You know, it was just, oh man, I, how I met them was I had created a, um, a drawing type of group for the coffee shops at Claire de Lune. And then, and then um, Dave Wilkins, you know, he would come because uh, we were pals already that he would um, invite, you know, Joel and them. That's so you were networking, well. you were taking yeah. advantage of, of the, the social media to social yeah. network with people who could, maybe help advance camaraderie make your improve your skill sharing right right and then uh uh, uh then that would lead to other contacts right well back then you know i didn't really have the networking as social media so if we looked at it like it were if it were a social media kind of thing mm -hmm. uh of what it is now yeah but it was never to ask what do you um can you help me? It was more of what do you do so I can understand the industry. I want to learn that so I had options, you know. But at at the end of it all, I knew I wanted to draw comics. But how do I get from drawing yucky, and how do I get to drawing mediocre, and how do I learn to to be more? And it's such a bad term, a one man team, so that when you do get hired that they they have hire you as a package so i already had that in my mind how to get hired as a package because mm -hmm. uh, um so but yeah so it was it, it was that community that were so open to share their expenses experiences and who they work for so that young bucks like us that weren't in the industry 
could get in. So Dave Wilkins, and I know he, I, I think he might, he might blush by, by what he told uh, a group of us one day, but it was the right thing to say for guys that had nothing to lose basically. And he meant it in the best intent. He goes, he goes, um, do you know why I get the work that I get? And I just make sure you guys don't allow cussing on y'all's right. Yeah. Well, you, well, can, you can go for it if you want. Hey, go for it. Go. For it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because I want to keep it in the in the context of what it was intended. Right, right, for. right. Sure. He, he he goes. You know why I get? You know why I get the gigs that I get? Because you lazy motherfuckers. He goes. <laughs> I, he goes. He goes. I get it because I go for it. And because he said that, that that molded me. It's like you know what he said it best. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Go for it. But. You have to kind of know: Are you ready if you're going to go? If you're going to reach out, so I just kept going for it. Meaning, let me work hard at my craft, and but what I want to do was make sure that if it got to a certain point, that people will see that and reach out to me when I got to a cert, unlock a certain skill set. So I, I used what he said, but I used it in a way that worked for me, basically. Yeah, I think it's interesting to always tell students and people who are don't seem to understand what being a professional means mm-hmm. is that networking is so important. We talk about networking all the time, but also not using every card that you have just because you have it, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure, you know, you have Rolodex that's crazy, but there's really no reason for you to blow them up asking for stuff right? for no reason. Exactly. Right. And I can't tell you how many times me, especially Mike, was one of our favorite conversations about how, um, a student of mine came up to me in the supermarket and I happened to be with Mike. I don't know. We were just like, we were going to do a barbecue. Uh-huh. And the guy was like, yo, is that Mike Manley? Yo, can I get his contacts? I was like, wait, what? You know, people overshoot what knowing people really means. Boundaries, yeah. Right. And, you know, just having a lack of boundaries screws people up all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've dealt my fair share. And I probably didn't handle it in the best way, you know, and I, I don't want people to paint a, like an angel picture right here um, because I, I've had to learn how to communicate better, you know, coming up in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we all come from a certain point, but we have to know how to behave and communicate in this industry because it's a very small industry and working <laughs> around it yeah. is. It is. It's smaller. It's it's big, but it's also small. And everybody kind of knows if you work with one person, especially in animation, within 10 years, mm-hmm. that person is spread out and <laughs> yeah. work with several other people that right. you That's true. Know. But I was going to ask if you could actually show some of your your art, if you mm-hmm. have some art that you could show. Yeah. So do you want um, me to go back to something that's like old, you know, just so they can see? Yeah. Where show I, us I a little from. bit of your... Okay. So okay. at the bottom Primordial of the screen, cheeks. at the bottom yeah. of the screen, there should be a share screen button. Okay, and then yeah. you can kind of like dial into it from there. And while you're doing that, uh, our friend Vicho says, "By the way, where does the cheeks nickname come from?" See, I knew that was coming, right? <laughs> um, okay, so um, now, I've, uh, like I said, I met Joel. Got introduced to his brother Ryan, and then I met Sean Ruffner. So all these guys, they they got together quite a bit um, to play Star Wars trivia. They were big into Star Wars, um, so they invited me to to one of their hangouts, and they're like, um, 
they they kept calling out to Sean, no, Sean Ruffner. They kept going, Sean. And we both turned around, yeah, yeah, what's up, what's up? You know, and they're like, no, 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 other Sean. So throughout the night, it kept on going. So finally, Joel, he's like, um, he goes, you know what? F that. We're going to call you Cheeks uh, because I used I used to have this saying from uh, a joke that uh, that a buddy of mine used to say all the time. He goes, man, that's tight like a pair of butt cheeks. Right, so we'd always say the whole sentence. <laughs> if we saw a cool book, we're like, "Man, that's like a pair of butt cheeks." You know, we, we use it for everything. But then we start getting some weird looks, especially if you're in, in the in the borders aisle, the magazine aisle, looking at comics. Man, that's you know. So then we started condensing it, condensing it, and finally it started getting down to where we started saying "cheeky cheeks." Yeah, that's cheeks. You know, so we started saying cheeks when it came to something that was cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that was the intent of Joel's, you know, saying, hey, we're going to call you cheeks. It was just to be like, hey, you always tell that dumb joke kind of thing. We're going to call you cheeks, you know, kind of thing, you know, because <laughs> I used I used to use it quite a bit. And I, if I if if I do recall, they used to roll their eyes because my jokes weren't that funny, you know. So, <laughs> but but yeah, so it stuck. And I felt like I was finally part of. Of a of a community that I've been longing to be a part of, which is an artistic community that just mm-hmm. had fun, that liked to draw, mm-hmm. uh, and, and whatnot. So, all right, so that that's how I came out um, with with uh, the nickname. Cool. All right, so let me share a screen here. Okay, share a screen. It is the easiest. I'm just reading their yeah. their stuff here. Okay, so I'll just yeah, don't show me these tips again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it's all set up it'll drop in my window and i'll I'll put it on the screen okay great um so let's see which which one's screen one is that screen one yeah okay so maybe if i put in screen two i'll just have to keep looking there is that going to bug you guys no you could okay so i'll just select, select screen two no it's fine See, I like to talk out loud. It helps me stay focused. Yeah, yeah. All right. So. All right. Cool. Does that look right? Let me uh, let me minimize my window. Yep, that's it right there. Okay. Got some toth action right there. Nice. Okay. Cool. Okay. So now. I'm just trying to minimize this Photoshop. Okay. So, oh, <laughs> click the wrong thing here. Okay. All right, take your time. All right, so old school stuff. All right, who's ready? Get get your buckets ready. This is going to make you hurl. <laughs> That's how bad it is. <laughs> um, let's see here. But look, don't be too hard on yourself. It is what it is. You you just have to know that. There's always room for growth, and and I think that's one thing that I always kept in mind: never, never settle. Always know that you you can get better at your craft. Okay, so fan art. All right, let's see here some old stuff. Woof! Oh my goodness! Just seeing these thumbnails, I about gagged. <laughs> We're our own worst critics. Man, tell me about it. But I think these people tuning in will agree. Okay, so this is when I was still trying to learn the anatomy, but getting funky with storytelling. Can you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so this is the piece I was telling you about that Chiarello had said he paused on. 
and, and ask me why I broke it down the way I broke it down. So what I did was I put this panel here and this panel, it's, they're not windows. They're just to slow the viewing um, mm -hmm. experience. So here, I, you know, showing that Venom's rat, something's happening to Spider-Man's ankle. And then as we go across, something's wrong because his spider sense is not happening. So this is when you really have to know the characters. And this is when it was very simple back then about Venom and Spider-Man's relationship. They cannot sense each other. So they can always have the drop on each other. Um, so this piece was called Who's Got the Drop on Who? And I drew this back in 2004. Mm -hmm. um, uh, oh, yeah. So I'm sorry. So it wasn't 2014 I got it. It was 2004. Let's, so let's go back 10 more years uh, from that, that point if, if I said 2014. So so here, you know, his spider sense doesn't go off. And then we see that it's actually Venom doing the stuff. Yeah, I didn't tell a very clear story. I should have shown tendrils drop uh, coming off of him. But yeah, so this is what basically Cherwell was talking about, and then some other pieces, and I believe this these other pieces were here too. Um, so I had, like I said, I had a pretty funny sense of humor that I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got He-Man here, USOB. Grab the harness next time. The harness! Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about revisiting this piece so that uh, we know that uh, his loincloth is getting pulled up. You know, <laughs> were you drawing uh, yeah. these in pencil and then inking them in micro? How are you before you took it into Photoshop? What was your process? My only process, um, it, it was very simple draw with pencil because I didn't know how to draw digital yet. I didn't have a Cintiq, or um, I just and I colored with the Wacom tablet, mm -hmm. like a, a small. Can right. you see? Can you see me as well as? Well, hold on, let me let me move okay. this thing. All right, go ahead, Sean. Oh yeah, can can they see me moving around as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So basically, I had this square. Remember the old school square Wacom's that used to come out way before, uh, well, uh, way beyond the Cintiq period, uh, like the Intuoses. Yes. Yeah. So um, now the thing is that I was very bad at trying to use this thing. So Scotty uh, had told uh, had taught me when I went there. Hey, if you think of the right corner of that. Of, uh, of the of that tablet as the right corner of your monitor you're going to grasp it and I did I grasped it just like that because of uh, that okay so so there's some old pieces and then uh, so I'll start with the first piece here um, well the first piece that's in this thing here so this one's called five o'clock shadow so this is um, I, I kept trying to think out of the box of the scenarios of what's happening, like we, like as if we were Sandman attacking Spider-Man. And this is, you know, when I tried to get very exaggerative with the posing, um, where, uh, but yeah, so it was more about I was trying to push myself for composition. So my goal was I had to complete a piece within 24 hours. So 2004, this is when I really had to complete a piece within 24 hours, and that was the mindset I had. Um, pencil it, but have it colored by the next. Um, have it colored before I go to sleep. So what what happened? Was I was testing myself. If I finished it and I dug it going to bed, and if I woke up and I cringe, I had to work harder. And that's what. I, and that's how I kept on doing it. You know, and this is when I think I was um, uh, uh, studying a little bit of maybe Jeff Matsuda and uh, Jose Lopez when they were on. I, I think the Batman was on during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, th and this was, and this is, you know, just playing around with proportions. 
And this is when I was trying to do more of a group shot um, and trying to figure out anatomy a bit more. But so this is the time where Ryan Benjamin was sitting in my house um, when I had my own place at that point, uh, not couch surfing. He goes, dude, I'm going to break it down to you. This after I knew him for a few years. He's like, I want to let you know, man, I love you like a bro. <laughs> but dude your women look like boys and i was like i was on button the inside of my cheeks i was like you know what okay <laughs> he, he's telling me a valid thing i didn't want to hear it but he told me a valid thing he goes you got it you got to you got to get more curves on those girls and, mm. and because of that i i started you know playing proportions a bit more so so who were you looking at at the time who were you who were you studying <laughs> who were your big influences at this time Man, um, I believe it could have been. There was a lot. Of, I mean, obviously the feet and some of the portions was like Ramos uh, mm-hmm. and and, Her- mm. and Herrera. Uh, some of the right. the. Um, I wish I had higher res this stuff, but but I think if if we looked at how I drew the nose on Frigazoid or even here, it was more of trying to see how Paco Medina broke down some of the noses. Mm-hmm. I tried to even try to get to a certain point not even having noses. So I was trying to find a balance of cartoony and, and whatnot, and obviously uh, I had no reference for hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, man, those are tough to digest right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so definitely, yeah, 2005, yeah, so this was still the time frame I was trying um, to push myself. Uh, and this was the Jeff Matsuda version of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a huge appreciation of how he was pushing clothing to tell, you know, um, motion and convey motion and stuff like that. And and yeah, this one I was trying to experience hiding my signature, having it be part of the picture, you know, being part of the splash. Right. And and as we know, your your version of Where's Waldo? Where's Cheeks? Right? Yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, and as, as we look back as 2005 was when I got my Hellboy gig. Um, and of course you can see, I used some of these kind of elements in the designs. But I really wish that, you know, uh, the people I worked with said, dude, that's whack. <laughs> they let me, they let me have it. I'm like, mm-hmm. gosh, I can't even look at it, you know, and, and thank you for them having faith in me. But and even this kind of stuff I included in Hellboy, the joints, because I thought this is how I processed drawing and making things kind of feel like they interlocked was was my excuse. Uh, I even had that translated towards, you know, Spider-Man when I got into the gig. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, so this is the help uh, the uh, Beast Boy I was telling you about that mm-hmm. um, that uh, um, Steve Gordon told me to be careful about because it, it looks like a mustache not really a shadow um sean can you talk about your color theory color theory okay so i didn't have any to be honest mm-hmm. uh, what what i did was i just used my eye of what's pleasing so when i looked at stuff i didn't try to study theory because i didn't want to be bound by that stuff but what i did look at was and i can see it even through here at that time i was looking at claire windling of how did she have the beautiful gradients? Like I don't ask for people for their techniques and how they broke it down because I don't want to draw or color like them. Mm-hmm. I tried to to find a way they did it in the path and the journey to um, apply it into my own stuff was how it will turn out to be later, right? So Claire Windling, the way she drew, I was looking at a lot of European artists back then too. 
I loved uh, Pierre Larry, man, uh, Claire Winling. Um, I forget the artist's name for uh, the Ringling, uh, the the circus, uh, the the circus graphic novels that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but but man, uh, even uh, uh, Nicholas Carmitas, uh, I believe he drew uh, Luna. You know, so mm-hmm. I had a huge appreciation over a vast thing. It wasn't just comics that was mainstream. It was, let's look at European artists. Let's look at um, cartoons. And this is how I started even trying to blend it more. Um, so there's a lot of trial and error with stuff. But but with this stuff is when, um, I guess, people online were saying that I had motion in my stuff. And I didn't mean to. I just was trying to find a way of trying to have better motion basically mm-hmm. uh, well you have you have very nice uh, lines of action and arcs through all the all the characters very strong which which you see in uh you get in animation you get that you get those strong arcs. oh, oh thank uh, you so I, I so if we go back even further when i was uh back in 2002 to 2005 i was still studying um, those action lines with um, how to draw comics the Marvel way because, man, the way uh, John Bashima, you know, just illustrated those, you know, he had three ways that he broke it down, right? Um, he had the super scribbly, he had um, uh, like a semi-structure and, and uh, I don't have the book on hand at the moment, but but then he had a third. Actually, um, hmm. I actually have my my, yes. have my old copy here. He keeps it in a whole copy. My grandma, <laughs> yes. my grandma gave me. Um, I see. I'll find. Uh, oh well, I don't want to mess you up, Sean. But I have mm-hmm. a question that okay. leads into what we're talking about while Mike's looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian asks. Well, he says your style has evolved so much over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, now it's become more streamlined. How yes. does it land on the style, and is, is it still evolving? It is still evolving, and it goes back to what we were discussing earlier, where if something's hot, people like to jump on it and want to. Oh, am I being echoey still? No, you're good. Okay, I think think it's us more than you. But go ahead. Um, So yeah, so the the which we call it. um, So it's always a learning process, but what keeps me on my toes. If that if people are able to replicate and replicate better, I've got to find another avenue to to learn, you know, to a skill set to or an element to bring into it, so it feels like it's always changing. Um, and the big eye opener for me was when, and I never had seen this until I got into feature film. And when I was on Spider Man. Um, DreamWorks reached out to me to to see if I'd be interested in working on doing uh, design work for Mastermind, and it blew my mind. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "Sure, I would love to." So we set up a meeting. Uh, I went into there, and they had my stuff all over the wall. I've never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. So this is my first uh, first time knowing. Wow, they they're really studying your style, but but you go further down the line. And like, wow, they did it so much better with form and understanding volume. So from that meeting, even though my stint on Mastermind was short, 
and it was such a great experience. Everybody was just fantastic. It, um, um, that it made me realize I need to understand a different aspect that I'm not understanding yet, which is better volume. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, so yeah, so for now, now, after I've done, you know, quite a bit of design work, I felt like I got stagnant drawing three quarter poses because when you're drawing a TV show or working for a TV show, you're drawing static poses a majority of the time, right? So, so when Spider-Man was done, it was, I was robotic. I was like, man, I had to break out of it. But how, even though my volumes weren't fantastic there on the show uh, or the designs, I knew that I had to take what I learned from that show, you know? Um, and so that yeah so basically i just made sure that i was trying to get more you know illustrative type of work so i can mm -hmm. kind of break out of that and then so start leading more into like gaming concept stuff where there's a better schedule where you can have a little more you know uh, a little more time for exploration and stuff like that so i think because i'm not in animation uh or that i don't do a majority of animation work versus what I do for gaming nowadays and toy design work that it had given me the luxury to have the exploration time per design, not just. So that how was style. it, how was it to go into a room and you're dissected on the wall? It, it, it was, it, I was just in awestruck that they would even take the time or thought my stuff had that kind of potential. So what they told me is like, you know, we try to dissect it. Uh, we, this is what we did. And I loved what they did. Did you learn about yourself? I did. What they pulled out? Oh, I definitely did. And, but this is what they told me that really stuck with me. They're like, we tried to do what we felt you were doing, but we felt we were still missing what you brought to the table. So we, so they said, so we thought, why don't we go to the well, to the source, you know? And I thought right. that was crazy. And I said, okay. I said, can I just be honest with you guys? I said, yeah, I did this. But, but what they did was they took, they took drawings I had done and they actually drew the same drawing, but they put better form on it. They showed those volumes. And that's what, oh, that was the big takeaway for me, you know, was that's what I need to do to get to the next level, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, that, so you, you were know. like, Hey, uh, do you mind if I take these home with me? Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, well, then the, then internet was very savvy, you know, so I was able to, to receive those kind of files because I had to work from them. So it was really nice that, uh, you know, that I can kind of use that as like, stay on track, dude, you know, if, if um, yeah, because I would get quite a bit that, you draw super cartoony. Yeah, that's the page I was talking about. I was referring to. Yeah. Yep. That's so you got full. Those real, real quick, dynamic, loose. Um, I'm sorry, Mike. Here, okay. you want me, I'll, I'll stop sharing so you can no, show that. No, you're good. You're good. No, no, you're good. Leave, leave it. Yeah. And then you have the little rougher form and then the the final. Yeah. Of course, he's John Bissema. So he mm -hmm. makes it look easy. 
Right. And so that was uh, what what I would use back then quite a bit as my as my Bible. That was actually my first art book that I ever gotten. And my dad bought that for me years ago from Walden Books. Remember that, those bookstores? Yeah. Yeah. Walden Books, man. Florida, back in Florida. Okay, so you guys want to see a little more old stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, so now I have some older, older sketches too that I'll show you with that. Yeah, so you can see that I was trying to get there and I was understanding some things, but I didn't understand enough. Um, but, but yeah, so now, yeah, so this was the piece where I really try to, you know, harness in on the, uh, the composition, but then this, this is when I, uh, sat in borders looking at a Jeep. Uh, it was crazy, man. You know, <laughs> you know, back then there wasn't SketchUp. So you really had to, you really had to draw these things. Um, so I am grateful that, we have those kind of tools that we can use now as well. Yeah, just last episode, Mike and I were talking about reference mm -hmm. and using reference for references sake. And uh, there's a lot of people on, online who don't believe that artists ever use reference. Oh yeah. <laughs> or it's yeah, like a bad word. Yeah, it kind of touches in on the, the thing that your, your art teacher told you, which was actually false right. because my art teachers would do. I think that that was a that was sort of a school <laughs> of those people that were probably a, a modernists who would say, you know, no, you don't look at the real thing. You pull it out of your head, which of course might work if you're doing something completely abstract, but doesn't work if you have to draw a jeep or an mm -hmm. animal or something like that. But yeah, I got that a lot when I was uh, if myself first in high school. That whole generation of people was like. Draw what you feel. In fact, my I went to college only initially first for one semester, and I had this this class, drawing class, which is one of the reasons why I stopped going to school. Was like they weren't showing you how to draw anything; mm -hmm. they were just telling you to draw what you felt. Right. And I'm like, oh, I can feel at home then. You know, I don't have to pay you tuition to have my feelings. You know, I'm paying to be instructed, you know. Right. Um, and so uh, 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 what I always like is you have an, also a nice, you have a sense of where the figure or the image is on a page, which is something that a lot of people struggle with, young artists struggle with. In the beginning, they sort of just draw something and it kind of floats around, but they're not sort of aware of where something is in the, the, the elements of the composition. So I think you were paying attention to that. So how old well, were you that, here? This was, I was still in the Navy. So this is 95. So um, this is when I was living in a La Mesa area. You know, the girlfriend at the time, uh, she was a student at SDCC, so she'd be out quite a bit. So I went and bought barrel and design markers when they first came out. Who were they expensive? Man. Mm -hmm. And if you ruined it, oh, my gosh, dunzo. But, yeah, so I think I was 22 at this uh, at this moment, maybe 21. Yeah, so these are very cringeworthy. <laughs> so it's funny. I had posted up this flashback, and somebody tagged Jim Leona, and Jim goes, that hair though <laughs> on grifter's legs because i got into details i got some details <laughs> oh man that's great thank you but yeah so i i always loved drawing backgrounds stuff like that but when i had that epiphany 
of oh, I, I, when I started seeing things in 3D, that's when I started, you know, not just drawing the character that I give them a place. Mm. You know, so I always try to pick these, you know, moments, you know, like quality time. This is for Hurricane Katrina back in the day, 2005. So you want to draw this in pencil, then scan it? Yes, everything was pencil, yeah, because I didn't know how to draw. Okay, and then you um, would clean it up in, in Photoshop then? Uh, nope, that was, I had a very clean hand. Uh, so basically, uh, I overlaid, overlaid, overlaid paper, uh, and I had a light table, and it got to the point where the light table was so bright that I couldn't see where the clean line was that I was pushing so hard that I started ruining my wrist. So these days I have to wear kind of a wrap or mm. wear like ointment on my hand. Uh, so, so now I make sure there's several sheets of paper in between the cleanup and uh, the, the rough drawing so that I, I don't have to have the light so blaring where I can actually see where I'm, where I'm at. But yeah, so... But then later, I think around 2006, uh, maybe in 2005, I started doing some cleanup. Like um, uh, I was still cleaning up traditionally, but then where wispy lines were taken too far, I would, you know, delete it, you know, omit it in, uh, in Photoshop. But yeah, so this was like the process here. You can see my right. old tape. And are you scanning pencils or were you inking your line art? No, uh, scan pencils, see. Mm. Nice. So when did you start learning to ink? Ink, like, sir, did you change your... Traditional you know, ink? I've, I've never. I've never. Um, that's why um, for a long time I had dead weight lines because I didn't know how to mm -hmm. show the proper weight and volume uh uh, and light source from those, and I and I and I loved it back then. I just never had somebody to really teach me what I was doing wrong. Um, now, let's backtrack. I tried to um, to get as a penciler, but um, but then at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to become an inker. Maybe I can become an inker and then go that route and um, get my foot in the door and become a penciler. So I was in touch with um, with an editor at Marvel. I was sending him my samples. I was inking over Jim Lee's Fantastic Four run. I think it was Heroes Reborn during that time. And I was using Rapidograph and Cool Pens. And um, so uh, the editor, man, he was great. He, he would say, hey, you know, I see what you're doing, but if a penciler saw that you are not interpreting his lines properly. If you're, if you're making choices of like, Oh, I'm not going to do that line. I'm not going to do that line. I'm going to, I want to, uh, uh, imp not, uh, improv over here or something like that. He goes, all the pencil I has to do is say, I don't want this ink on my book anymore. So he really took me under the wing to show me that kind of stuff. Uh, I was, um, remember Adam Polina's stuff back in the day on the X-Force. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So he had a very nice caricaturish kind of style, very open line art. So, um, so, but yet his backgrounds you could tell were um, like real material, not flesh. You know, so you know, so the uh, editor was really guiding me to to. Uh, is it John John Wazowski? Does that ring a bell? Uh oh. Uh, I never worked with them, but there was a lot of guys after a while that came in after I was in Marvel full time. But that's yeah. true. I mean, one of the things about the modern 
guys, I would say, especially a lot of artists post 1995, six, the pencil so tight you could almost just tweak the con contrast, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's inked. Where mm -hmm. the guys of my generation, a little bit back, you kind of wanted. I mean, guys like Byrne always kind of drew pretty tight, and um, mm -hmm. George Perez or whatever. But even with Basema, who was a fantastic penciler, mm -hmm. if you had, you could have Pan Income or or Charles uh, Jansen Income. Those were more more finishers, and we were required to bring a finish more of their own personality because right. the guys like Basema would pencil like five books a month. Yeah. So he was more right. valuable to the to the company. And then that kind of changed where it's like it's more boutique in a way. Well we want Sean to do this. You're mm -hmm. not gonna draw five books in a month. You're gonna draw one book, you're gonna draw uh, a special. So the amount of like Art Adams, I mean his his pencils are like immaculate. Same with Michael right. Golden. I ate the Michael Golden job, mm -hmm. and I was almost afraid to ink it because it was so – it looked like a machine did it. Like right. it's, it's drawn, but you don't see any smudges. There's no erasure. It was just perfect. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, when, I, when I used to draw that tight, I didn't do a lot of exploration. But when I started doing more exploration uh, over the last – I think six or seven years I started doing more exploratory where it didn't have to be final pieces. I went for a long stint where it's like I'm all about just sketching, putting that mileage on there, and that gave me a lot of confidence on volumes um, and just gave me the mileage that I needed to to get to the next step. You know, um, so that that's what I've been focusing on. Uh, now, was there was there other stuff you want me to show you? Uh, yeah, whatever you whatever you want to show me. Okay. Like I know you did a web. I remember you and you mm -hmm. were using some SketchUp where you built models oh. of the right. Oh, here's the, uh, the set and everything, which I thought was really, uh, was oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Open that up. So what I want to discuss too is um, what I did learn in animation uh, is that it's not one person that makes the show; it's a crew. So I knew my flaws and my str uh, or my my strengths and my weaknesses uh, as an artist. And so I created my Table Taffy brand. And it was just going to be an umbrella for me to put out my books. But then I was like, you know what? I can't just keep drawing pinups. You know, yeah, it's fun, but you want something more. You want to tell a story. You want to create a new content. So what I did was I created Table Taffy uh, to be the umbrella. But then I started getting gigs that were comic book gigs. Um, so, for instance, uh, Blizzard had reached out to me. They're like, hey, man, we, we love the way you draw animals. And I've only drawn a handful of animals. Yeah. And uh, they're like, we think your style could fit. Well, I'm sorry. You know, they didn't say well, they love the way I drew animals. They saw me draw animals. And they said they think that my style could fit for their comic, Pearl of Pandaria, the, the War of Warcraft. And uh, so I was like, okay, uh, but, you know, I've only drawn one 20-page comic uh, and maybe a five-pager here and there, fill-in story and and something way back in the day. And uh, they're like, they're like, no, we think you can handle it. I said, okay. I said, can I propose something to you? I said, no, nah. I said, how long is this book going to be? And they said about 105 pages, like yeah. uh, about half. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> I said, can I propose something to you? Uh, Cause I had driven down to, um, to Blizzard's, a uh, Blizzard's um, 
studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had the meeting. It, it was it was really great. And, and I believe maybe some DC people there. I could be wrong. I'm not sure if DC had already – yeah, DC had already come up here. So I think I was there with maybe Hank Canals or Sarah Ga- Ga- uh, Gallardos mm. um, there at the time. So we were discussing it, and I said, if – I said, can we have a scenario? And I hadn't even used the structure yet. So I said, if I design the characters and if I, you know, help with the layout, art direct it, overlook the uh, colors and, and, and the layouts and the inks, I said, would you be okay if I wore that kind of title instead of being the penciler, you know, for the book? And I, so you're saying from these designs that you designed here, you know, that they approved um, that because I did my take on their characters. Um, and, and I showed them a color sample that we would do for the backgrounds. Uh, but eventually we said that would take too long that we, we just kind of uh, did it like, a, you know, animation style coloring, just um, flat colors with some shading. Mm. Uh, that if, if we did this, could I assemble a team? And that if you can guarantee us that it'll look like this, as I guarantee it will, they approved it. And that was my first time using a team effort like that. Uh, so I had somebody um, uh, cleaning up the backgrounds, you know, per the layouts. Uh, so I had a very strong first wave of Table Taffy crew members. Shout out to my boy Derek Lofman, uh, DJ Welch, um, and then uh, Ryan Odagawa. You know, so it was we, – we were very thin, you know, working on, uh, working on this project, but we, we made the project happen. We, you know, we met the deadlines, you know, and stuff like that. And, and who knew that this book would end up being um, on the, in the top ten, I believe, of the New York bestseller. So wow. it, New York Times bestseller. So it was crazy. You know, so – we're, we're super grateful, you know, for the opportunity from both sides, uh, Blizzard and DC Comics. But, yeah, so that opened my eyes that if we did it for that comic, let me do it for my own personal comics. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's when I started establishing that. And, and man, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fart around. I pay competitive rates. I pay a penciler anywhere from 100 to 150, you know, a page for pencils. Um, so not, not saying – anything bad about companies that don't that are known companies it's just i want people to take it serious that yeah my characters aren't aren't that well known but hey mm-hmm. let me pay you so that you look at, at it seriously as a job you know right. and that's why we're able to put out the content and so it got to a point where i was orchestra i, I want to say orchestrating because that's what i felt like i was i was managing over 15 to 20 people working on mm-hmm. my projects yeah you know so i had a core that worked with me on on uh, on clientele projects that allowed client uh, that allowed me to have my table taffy crew, but how I always tested it out was if we gelled well working on my table taffy stuff, and if you could take um, feedback and whatnot uh, well and implement it, and yeah, you may not get it exactly to where I need it, but you took it to a certain level, and I can see that we can learn together, and so I established great relationships like that, um, but then. It got to a point where I started missing working on this stuff myself too, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I found a way to maybe not pop out as many, you know, projects in between for my my personal projects, but maybe one project at a time where I can work, maybe doing layouts, hire somebody to put it on model, 
you know, in the inking stage. And, um, right. and it's, it's been working out great, you know, um, and, but it allows me also to have time to have fun on the internet, do fan art, um, because at the end of the day, sadly, people love fan art more than the creator own. Uh, so you just have to find that balance of doing both, you know, so um, that's what I'm doing. Do you right find now. You, so, so do you break up your, uh, your work week? So like certain days for fan art or certain days for, uh, you know, art challenges. There's always like some art challenge going around on Instagram. Mm -hmm. it seems, you know? Right. So for a long period, I would say for three to five years, I wasn't really doing too much fan art. Um, and it wasn't really even finished fan art. And it wasn't because I was doing my personal table taffy, just because I was doing table taffy personal stuff, which I was, but I was also working minimum six gigs at a time, mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, as a freelancer, you kind of have to, and that, that's not saying, Oh yeah, I'm yeah. a cool guy. I can work that many. It's you have to do this because you don't know when that check will mm -hmm. actually come through. Yeah. So you have to right. You need that overlap, <laughs> right? You need exactly. that overlap, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so to even go back to why I created Table Taffy, yes, one was to create the umbrella. Two, um, before I even um, figured out I needed to put a team together, I had just gotten off Spider Man at that time, and I was working uh, maybe two freelance gigs. You know, Spider-Man was done, so I was working two freelance gigs, and then a couple came through. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm up to four gigs. Okay, yeah, they're design gigs. I can handle it. Uh, and then and then three more came in the next week. So I was at like seven gigs. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. I've never worked this many at a time. I've worked four comfortably at a time, but I can't say no because, you know, sometimes you're – you're in the transition stage of contract negotiation, right? Um, so then I was like, okay, they're negotiating. This is a straightforward contract. I can go ahead and work on this. So then you start developing your production chart. But then the following week, I was up to 12 gigs. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? And one was the Blizzard gig. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to be straight up and let them know. And that's when I knew. When, when you tell people – and uh, up front and be transparent, you know, and which I normally am. But when you want to bring in a crew, and the only way for you to take on that job is to have you a crew. At that time, I didn't even have a crew established. Mm -hmm. You know, I we were doing some cleanups maybe on some of my personal stuff. But then when that gig came through, that's when I had to hire um, some, you know, some uh, talent that, that was fans of, you know, one being Derek Lofman. I was already a fan of his work from our Divine Art days. So I reached out to him out of the blue. I said, hey, would you help me out with layouts on this book, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, so that's that's the main reason why I really started Table Tabs. Like I needed a crew right on the spot that can handle mm -hmm. such a big project that we could not pass up on. You know, kind of thing. Right. You had to uh, assemble your Avenger team, right? And when you were using things, when you're mm -hmm. using things like um, SketchUp to like build the sets, mm -hmm. would, yeah. would you farm that out to somebody? Like you would come up with the the design, then say, no. "Go build this." No, so I had pride in that. I always have to have the first concept on the table, you know, because it's my IP kind of thing. Like if, if I co-create an IP, that's different, but I created all these IPs 100%, you know, um, so I had to make sure that it, the real intent 
came through. And it, it can always evolve, but at least I planted the seed where it can evolve because, you know, whenever you involve somebody that um, that wasn't there in the creative process, although their their uh, their uh, suggestions are valuable, you don't want it to taint what your real intent was, right? So what I did was I'd rough out the concept, and then I'd go make it in SketchUp myself. So now, when I opened the SketchUp, I don't want you guys to think, my God, how did you make that beautiful spherical object? <laughs> no, I I don't get down and dirty like that. What I'll do is I'll go find a barrel. I may customize it. I, I figured I know enough to where to group the stuff, customize it, add stuff to it, squash and stretch it so it looks like it fits the world that I'm creating. So even like with cars and stuff like that, that's that's the gist of it. Um, I'm just looking for SketchUp here, uh, and uh, yeah, so. I'm so happy I built this. Um... Oh, so how this this is why I learned SketchUp. I uh, after after Spider Man, um, you know, I had miscellaneous you know, freelance jobs, and then I got a call from Leapfrog, Leapfrog Games up in uh, I believe uh, is it Redwood, Ed Edmond. Maybe uh, Red, Red Redman. Yeah, Redman. Yeah. They they reached out to me and like, hey man. Well, okay, they didn't speak like that for one. Um, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> um, my 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 uh, soon to be boss on the project, uh, Peter Hirschman. He had his uh, assistant reach out to me, and she said there was interest in my work to be at the ground zero level to help build. Uh, from Ground Zero, a new leapfrog game called Leap, Leap School, mm. and and I was like, wow, you know, I, I I didn't really know how to draw kids too well just yet, so I was still learning. So, all these opportunities came up at a time where I wasn't a polished artist. But what you do is you don't say no. What you do is you don't let them down. So you you get the job done. So so anyhow, the um, I got the job. It started off with two weeks. Uh, it was. It was my first contract to work straight up two weeks from home uh, at a studio rate. So I had, I had they had asked me what my rate is, uh, and and I always based it what my studio rate was in house. But then I knew because I had a couple of high profile high profile shows that I had worked on that I can ask a little bit more. So so um, so I asked a little bit more when I felt comfortable asking. They they agreed to it. Um, and then, um, so they hired me for two weeks and they said, if the two weeks goes well, then, then we will, uh, have an amendment, you know, and, and, and keep working. So what happened was that I started, um, I started, uh, drawing the backgrounds as 2d cause that's all I really knew, but I knew I wanted to learn SketchUp and I knew it's the right thing to do because Lanell Yu was using SketchUp, and he wasn't being too vocal about it at the time uh, because everybody was kind of – and I'm not going to speak for him why he didn't, uh, but I think in my case it was awkward to say, yeah, I'm using a tool to make um, being efficient and, and quicker with my time, uh, more, uh, more time efficient with my time you know, uh, using a tool that could do that. But then mm -hmm. as time went on, I started sprinkling a little bit more. Yeah, here, here's a model I'm using. You know, I built in a SketchUp, but I let them know I built in a SketchUp. Yeah, I may not have built all the models from the ground up, 
but I built the scene, the idea, and mm. that's all you really do. And, and and that really, but the reason I got to that point using it uh, full time, you know, uh, for certain sets is because on Leapfrog, when I was drawing it um, traditionally, <laughs> my boss like, hey, that's great, uh, but can you turn it 15 degrees? Like, mm, mm, mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm drawing it as a 2D, how am I going to turn it? So not that I argued with him. I was like, I knew that now was the time to do it in SketchUp. Sure, I can do it. I said, but do you mind if I did it in SketchUp? So I mm. used the opportunity to use a tool that I've never really used, but crash course learned, yeah. and you know, and then it worked out, you know, so which is great. <laughs> okay, so here Wasn't we go. their model SketchUp better than erasing? <laughs> uh, say, say that again. <laughs> so their model should be SketchUp better than erasing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Move it to Definitely. another five degrees. Definitely. Like I I would spend hours just saving tons and tons of models. Don't know if I'm going to use it, but why not? You know, chairs. It, it's like it's like Pinterest. Once you get on there, you go down a rabbit hole. And yeah. you got to say, you know, ah, I got to go because you find so much inspiring and uh, inspiring stuff on there okay you can't save everything right what yeah. uh, i do <laughs> but will i ever find it again i don't know but i am very organized in my stuff so i'm going to say 80 percent. yes i would find it like like even these cabinets you know just or just in general i i had to build all uh, make all these folders okay so let's say for instance okay table taffy So let's say, for instance, here, um, I had an idea in my mind that I want to do for uh, the variety zine here, um, Table Taffy verse. So I'll, what I do is I find vehicles online, but but I know that it needs to be, okay, this thing is going to be a massive file, so please bear with me. Um, so yeah, um, I'll find a vehicle, and I know it's going to be a futuristic kind of thing, so then I'll go find a wing from an airplane, uh, maybe propellers here, uh, maybe uh, treads from a tank over here, and then I'll hodgepodge it. And then I'll hire a 3D model, a 3D modeler to make it in, in um, with um, ZBrush. ZBrush, yeah. Uh-huh, and because that way I have a real model mm-hmm. instead of uh, of this, you know, that I use as my as my uh, guiding point mm-hmm. or, or, or my starting off point. Okay, it's just going to take a little bit. Very sorry. So you you found that it was better to do that than to try to just draw it. Yes, because in comics, what I loved about the old days, and I and what I mean by old days from anywhere from the '60s to the late '80s, you always let's say X-Men, for instance, you always went back to that establishing shot. Yeah, we could have drawn that establishing shot, but what happens if I have that establishing shot, but I have um, that I can actually rotate a mm-hmm. camera to still have that same establishing shot, but just at a different angle. So mm-hmm. check this out. So I built this whole background. Yeah, I may not built the windows from scratch, but I built the structure so that I could do that. Right. And what I love about SketchUp, you know, like I said, I found an old airplane. Uh, you know, I modified it. So it's just going to catch up on this tank here because the pixels 
or the points have to stop. But yeah, you can see I kind of modified the tank the squash stretch, adding some stuff to it. But e even like this thing here, I gutted out uh, a VW. But yeah, so this was this background was built. I built it so that it was like my answer, my my interpretation of what cars would be with my Table Taffy Universe vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, so watch this here. So if I if I go to here, I can click. I, I can click these scenes here, so it's just going to chug a little bit. Yeah, so the colors are going to turn on, unfortunately. But if I go oh, okay. here, if I go to play animation, it's going to play through all my tabs here. And that's what I love about it. So you can actually create an animatic using this thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you go through and you break down your script, you can sort of just plug in that background to ink or part of it wherever you want. You can sort of, I guess, mm -hmm. bring it in, a, save a, an image and then bring it in on an overlay, right? Exactly. So what I do is for, for whoever I hire to draw the comics, uh, I'll make sure the characters are designed. I'll make sure the vehicles are already designed out, the backgrounds are designed out, and then I turn over the files to them. And then that way they have access to turn uh, the files in SketchUp so they can get the shot that they want. You know, so, um, okay, so what I'll do is I'll stop this here and I'll open up another file, okay? So... Let's close this okay. one out. Uh, so this will be the interior that I designed for Monster Watch that I'm going to show you. So this was my, like my first real in-depth type of uh, background that I had uh, built. And the reason I built this was because, or the, the, the inspiration behind this, like, I love the 80s. I was I was, born in, I was born in the mid-70s, but I really grew up and remember the 80s, right? And what I love about it was the interior of how, of how the, um, the uh, whatchamacallit, the, um, how the layout of the houses were. You get the nice little dip into a room. You got your three little steps where it uh, recesses down, and you have a room that overlooks. So I really tried to bring that vibe into here, into this stuff. Uh, let's see if... It might try to ask me if I need to cancel that. Um, while that's doing that, is were there any questions that? Yeah, yeah, I have a couple. Yeah, you more had a couple more up. questions, right, Jamar? Yeah. So, hold on now. I lost my place. Give me one second. So while while we're talking about that, I'm going to go ahead and run. So the this is from the webtoon, right? No, this one is not from Webtoon. Uh, this is from my uh, Monster Watch comic. So okay. Shadow, Par Shadow Parts is my Webtoon one. But yeah, so we did have... Okay. Yeah, so sometimes if I don't have time to build the scenes fast, I'll build a, a, a mood sheet and say, I like this couch. I like this front... Uh, I like, um, you know, this console. So... And then I'll start doing like a maybe a, a point, like using arrows to point to where it should go in the room and stuff like that. So because it does take time to build the SketchUp models, but what I do is I, I build the ones that we know that we're going to spend a lot of time in and, and you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I didn't build the TV, but I did squash and stretch it. Uh, didn't build the couch, but, you know, the whole layout is me 100%, you know, and, and whatnot. But, um, well, that's... That's deep, man. I love it. Thank you. But oh, yeah. Do you import? Do you import figures into that and then draw over the figures for placement? 
um, so you can export it and put it into your comic. Mm, and, okay. But but you can. There there is. Let me stop animation. Here. Yeah, there is a way. So let's say for instance, right here, um, you can you can do a sketch if you want, and then you can import it into here. But it's easier to export a ping of this and put it into your comic. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're already going to lay out a loose grid in your comics. So you already kind of know what angle you're going to go for. So it's a matter of that. You can even have control over. Uh, orbit tool of really getting in there and, and getting to where you want to be. And then you can set it as, as a tab because you want to save these tabs. And then, so I even got to the point where, let's see if I zoom out. I built a deck back here. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, because you never know when you're going to use this stuff, you know, uh, <laughs> these scenes and, and you want it to be where it really is, so th this is why I designed it myself before I send it off. But what would be great is that once I get to this point, I send it off to a, a real background artist, and then they can fluff it up and make it better. Right. You know, so right. you're just giving them the, the ground point. And sometimes they only need the sketch. Mm -hmm. But but I love my IPs, you know, as anybody would. So I just want a little more control over it. You, you have know? to put some more sauce on it. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, uh, so let's see. Oh, yeah. So um, even this danger, uh, the, um, let's see here. Yeah, okay. So here's like a mood sheet that I, I made here for Monster Watch. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, they have a hidden headquarters below, and which you, you'll you know from, uh, you can see uh, that book is available on my Gumroad uh, account where uh, the one shot comic. So they can, they'll be able to see how it is in action uh, in the comic. But yeah, so let's see here. Okay, so what I did was, so I created a mood board in here. So see, I imported pictures in here like this. And then, so what happens, like, from the study, this is the steps from the study that they come down. Mm. Okay, they come down into here. So this one, I just kept it a little bit looser because it's like, this is the danger room of, of my comic, basically. Mm -hmm. So this is the tank that... Um, you know, Kevin gets to swim in to train, you know, because uh, he's like a descendant from the, the Black Lagoon uh, monster, monster from the Black Lagoon. And then here, uh, it's kind of like, um, kind of where you have like uh, an avatar, you know, uh, kind of action where they can simulate where the floor comes up. It can do anything like a danger room would. So then they have to use their powers to like, oh, crap, the floor is rising. What am I going to do when I use my powers? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, and then... This is where, you know, they can test, you know, their endurance, their ability, give them a weight room down there, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then up here, you know, this is going to be, uh, this where we're going to really flush it out to where you have real stone because it's underground. So it's like under un caverns. Yeah. So you can see, I used a little bit of this kind of stuff as inspiration. I see those uh, Genesis X-Men shots right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, and, 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 that, and that right there's a perfect example of what would happen right here on these spheres. Um, so a lot goes into creating these IPs, and, you know, and I wish it could get the traction that people want yeah. or, or, or uh, get the traction um, from the people because there's, there's so much that goes into this. Oh, so, yeah, I'll show you for the uh, Shadow Pirates. Here. So we're gonna start wrapping soon. Okay. Yeah. So, any questions um, that you guys like to ask? Him? Yeah. Why you're Why you're looking for that, Sean? Uh, Juan asks. Hello, guys. I have a question for Cheeks. 
Would you do another show for Marvel or DC? Thank you for the answer. Love your art style, BT Dubs. <laughs> Thank you, Juan. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I have taken uh, tests, you know, um, to, you know, for for shows, you know, for Marvel and DC since uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, you know, um, but like any kind of test, you know, the the vision that they're looking for will get the job, you know, so. Uh, I'm I'm happy being more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. Honestly, uh, the pressure is is not as grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're behind the scenes, you get to work, I guess, more uh, from your home. So then I get to have the cherry for my picking of, of what jobs I get to work or how many jobs I want to take on, as well as you know stuff that I get to do uh, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get to orchestrate what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that way instead of having to be someplace in house nine to five. Right. And you can and only do your freelance after hours and then like your family would be mad. <laughs> oh yes, exactly. Man. So I, when I first got into Spider-Man, Oh my goodness. I, I've, you know, and thank you to Vic Cook and Greg Wiseman for giving me that opportunity and uh, Mike Vogel um, for that opportunity. Um, when I first got in, I was still living in San Diego. So I'd have to drive up from San Diego, stay up here during the week, drive back home on the weekends because I said wow. I had my apartment uh, down there. So my at the end of the day, every day, Monday through, fr- uh, Monday through Thursday, even on Friday, but Monday through Thursday in particular um, because there was so much um, drawing that I had to do that I wasn't used to within that window and in a learning curve and all the, all the correspondence I had to do. Um, and not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. It was just something I had to build endurance for uh, or stamina for. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by the time I got off work uh, and at that point, I never had closed down any freelance. I always kept it open. But at that point I finally had to start pushing away freelance, even my own personal comic bash of seven at the time mm-hmm. that that was really about to make a jump into, but, but I'd go to the hotel. At the, um, and by the time I laid my head on the bed from 7 PM, I would not get up until 6 AM the next day. That's how Friday I didn't even eat. Just out. Yeah. I didn't even eat. I was just so out. So after yeah. two, three weeks of doing that, I said, damn it, Sean. I said, you got to break out of this. Otherwise, you're going to stay in this rhythm. Mm-hmm. Get back in there. Go to the office early. Get your fun drawing in before you actually draw. Build that stamina. Go back to the uh, apartment or s- stay after hours. Draw for fun just so that your brain has a way to relax into something else instead of just sleep mode. Yeah. Um, so after after doing that for a week or two, I was back on track. You know, uh, man, but it was really hard um, on the first few weeks. Uh, okay, I'm going to put your thing back on screen here. Okay. And I have one last question okay. while you're loading that up. Okay. This is a tried and true question. Uh, good from Brian says, do you ever experience burnout? <laughs> you're just going to that conversation a second ago. What do you do to push through? Yeah, so I have experienced burnout, but what you do, what I do, is then I go do something else that's creative, where, and then this is where I really started getting into my creator, my creator own stuff. So if I get burnt out trying to draw designs, or uh, or coloring, I'll go and create a plot 
you know, or create a new IP or write down what I want to draw for later. And that lets me replenish those juices. And that doesn't take too long, but there are times that I had to take like maybe two days off and be like, I just need a break. And let me go read some comics, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, but here's the thing. I can't sit through a comic anymore. I fall asleep two pages in. I'm sure a lot of us get that way because our brain is going a mile a minute. By the time mm-hmm. it relaxes, boom, I'm out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so how, how I get over the, the burnout would be to do that stuff. Okay. And it's just taking me a sec to, to – oh, here we go. It's under Shadow Pirates. Yeah, so, yeah, so here's some vehicles here, the, the Shadow Pirates ship here. Clean this guy up. So mm-hmm. this will be the last model, sh- model I'll show you until next time. Oh, and hold on. I got one more from Lewis. Okay. Let me find it. Oh, he asked, I want to put him on the screen. Mm -hmm. Luis says, uh, I have a question. What is the best way to draw better poses? Well, if you have time, I can, maybe I can do a quick doodle. Uh, I don't know. What do you say, Mike? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, sure. Let's do a doodle. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll share, uh, stop sharing the screen. But yeah, so this is when I started really getting to understanding how to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. combine elements for for what I want here. Okay, so and each I'll one click. I guess you would get a little bit faster than you were. Yeah, the definitely. previous time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, okay, let's see. Let's close that. that. And thanks for sharing all that, Sean. That's great. It's great. Oh, my stuff. pleasure. My pleasure. So let me see. I'm going to stop sharing here and then switch camera over. Okay. Do you want me? To, okay. All right. So you'll give me a new share when you're ready. Yes. Um, so now, just uh, don't think this is going to be a masterpiece because it, <laughs> it's just more what? of. I know, right? And this is just more of a thought process that happens as I'm doodling. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Let me let me know when you're ready. When you want me to pull you up. Okay. Uh, let me. I'll move the screen here. Mm-hmm. And for all of you guys who are uh, going to see this after the fact, this is going to get ripped and be on our pencil-to-pencil.com page as audio. So if you are hearing this on audio, you can always see the video if you go to our Facebook page, pencil-to-pencil on Facebook. Thanks. All right. So here's here's what we can do. We can do it in two parts. Okay. Because I already have a design. Like um, it, not, the questionnaire. Uh, the the questionnaire is he still on uh, line or is there a pre question? Uh, he was in the chat. I don't know if he's still here. Okay. Um, well, I was going to say if if it was Spider Man, he'd rather see than what I'm about to do with this guy. Then then I can do that. Mm-hmm. But um, whatever you feel like doing. Okay, so yeah. okay, we'll just say this guy here, for instance. I'm going to turn it down just so I can kind of see mm-hmm. a little bit of him and the guy for inspiration. So basically, I'm just going to put him in action pose. Let's think of like Simon was at Belmont from mm-hmm. Castlevania. Yeah. So what, let's think of him as an adventurer like that. Um, so what I would do is I have to think, can this guy really move with what he's wearing? You know, yes, but how do you how? And so the next step is like, how can I make the shape, you know, feel like it's it's going to be doing, uh, you know, uh, that kind of motion. All right. So, let's say Mike um, or Jamar, wh- whoever, 
What kind of pose do you want me? Let's think action. What kind of action pose? Go ahead, Mike. You do it. You, you can have them uh, like jumping forward or something, you know, or leaping, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So in my head right now, there's two things. I can just have them jumping in the air with no real context to it. Or I can just go ahead and think those two things in my head right there. And what I'm thinking is that he is here and he's trying to get to here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, by doing that, what what that opened up the avenue of thinking of how would he jump to there? Okay. So I'm going to think of maybe he uses his ice pick because he's not sure if he can make it because we don't know how long that distance is right here. So we're going to try to convey that is super far. Uh, so let's say, for instance, now, like I said, it's going to be trial and error. So it's not going to look pretty at first. What you're trying to do is get the motion and get and uh, so that you're selling yourself on what, what's trying to happen. Mm -hmm. So I also try to think of believability when, when I do the pose, right? So if this arm is up, this leg is down. If mm -hmm. this arm is coming towards you because he needs to make sure that he's not falling too far back, he's like, like that, okay? Mm -hmm. Then this leg comes forward as well. But I got to figure out what do I want to do about that leg coming forward, you know? Okay. So now that I kind of have the basis, sometimes if I don't flip the image, I'm going to repeat a same maybe mistake that that I would mm -hmm. as I had roughed that out. So now I'm going to move him back. Okay, so now I'm not going to try it by any means put on model. I'm just going to try to give you sh some shape and motion here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what we know, what makes the dynamic pose is contortion and contrapasso. Is that, did I say it right? Contrapasto? Yeah. Okay, so uh, contrapasso is meaning uh, when you dip one side, the other side rises. So no matter where you do it. So let's say, for instance, I really got his hip at the camera so originally i had it back here but i'm really going to tweak it really contort it so he's really reaching back just in case <laughs> tilting the head you know you can either have him looking up or i would imagine he's he needs to look down so that's why i like to kind of do that so he's looking over his chest so if i were to think in terms of volume right now this is what's happening in my head so he's looking where he's going to land Right. Then he's going to be using this back here, holding his pickaxe, you know, and later that might change of where that arm position is at. So if he's like that, so this this would mean that we would see maybe even this push over here and his arm even more so over here. So I don't normally do this. I don't normally let an arm lay within the shape because mm -hmm. that to me is not a good silhouette, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but just for, for the sake of this, so maybe he's – it'll start making sense once I do another pass on it. Okay, so now that I've figured out that groundwork, we'll flip it again. I'm going to turn this one off so that I'm vibing off of this one here. So the reason I put on multiply, because if I don't, watch what happens here. 
and the, this is speaking to the, uh, let's say if this was a gray color back here. Some, so if I were, if that's not all multiplying, and this is for people that uh, don't know this yet. So you see how if I draw in white, that it shows up, but I would be drawing in black, right? But mm -hmm. if I put on multiply, if I put on multiply, see the white is gone, right? So let's say for instance now, if I make put that normal, well anyway, so you put on multiply so the white doesn't keep showing up basically. Okay. Oh, is that new for you, Mike? Uh, I guess I always draw in layers. I have like a basic bottom layer. Mm -hmm. And then when I draw, I might do rough like you do. And then I might do, and then I'll drop the opacity of that down and put another layer over sometimes. Mm -hmm. Pencil. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on, I think for me, how specific I need to be with something. Like sometimes there's little heads or things. Things you might with little eyes, you want to be very specific about things right. or a hand holding a gun, where you mm -hmm. you know you get into the way the fingers are. Wherever you need to be specific, that's where you be, need to be. You know, you might tighten up on the drawing. The other stuff right. sometimes you can just sort of futz after a while. You kind of you can draw mm -hmm. it when you when you go, which is something right. I learned. It was very different in coming in animation, also very different in comics because a lot of the the uh, European artists. And South American artists and the artists from the Philippines were such fantastic draftsmen that their pencils, like my buddy Ricardo Villagran, his pencils are very loose. Mm -hmm. And he can draw a very loose figure like that. And then he can literally go with a brush and then just oh, draw man. the thing. I wish I so, could do that. And and so he would always say, Why are you drawing why are you drawing your stuff so tight? It's like you're drawing everything twice. Mm -hmm. You know? Um and you can sort of train yourself. I mean, I think it's easier to do with with uh, maybe with comics. You can sort of train yourself, but again, it's like how you train your brain to work. You know, like I had to sort of retrain myself a little bit mm -hmm. when I went from working just all traditional to working with the Cintiq. And so I've been doing that a couple of years now. So I feel like I'm I'm actually getting i'm actually getting better and mm -hmm. doing it than i was even like a year ago right man uh i gotta say man you are so diverse ridiculous <laughs> um so those are my who are my inspirations more so these days uh not not meaning anything uh negative by by that it's just it's because when you see someone that's diverse, it really opens your eyes of how can you how can you push it as well. Um, diverse meaning you could draw where it looks like your characters are fine arts versus cartoony, and and I think that's why your career has been so fantastic. Like when when you're posting up, let's say for instance your your Black Panther pages you just did recently, or oh, yeah. your your new the new strip uh, comic versus the Bruce Tim stuff like you have a range mm -hmm. and and a lot of people um you know know should know that having a range is going to give you longevity um and 
that's the kind of mindset I had back then. You know, I just didn't think uh, my range would get wider, and it has. And I've been very blessed. I haven't had to look for work since 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, and, wow. not saying, wow. yeah, and not saying that it won't happen. But, knock on wood, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> knock on wood. Very, very grateful for the opportunities. But, you know, and I think you don't say no unless you know for a fact you can't take that job, basically. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, if you look between mm-hmm. 2004 mm-hmm. and, you know, that's that's 16 years. Over the course of 16 years, styles come in and animation go out. I mean, you had like a Powerpuff Girl style. You had right. Gendy doing stuff. Bruce was doing stuff. And then you had versions of sort of like what Bruce was doing. Right. Um, you know, um, and so you sort of do have to be, I think, especially in animation because... It's like being an actor, you know, if you could only work in one style and say you were really good at doing like a 1970s Hanna-Barbera kind of style, which is great. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, everybody's doing this kind of, I don't know, weird Stevens Universe versus manga style and it takes off. Well, if you can't adapt, you know, it's like you're going to have a hard time maybe finding a place to fit in. So, And in my case, I like doing different stuff. I like mm-hmm. doing realistic stuff. I like doing oil painting and stuff. But I also like really super cartoony stuff, and I have ever since I was a kid. So I right. like doing both things, and I think that it kind of keeps you fresh too. Right. Um, you know, uh, I think it's really easy – uh, like I admire the hell out of guys like say Charles Schultz who could do mm-hmm. peanuts for 40 years, just do one thing. I don't think I could just do one thing. Right. I think I would get bored. Yeah. No, I hear you. So now can you see it's starting to take some shape yeah. now? Yeah. So it doesn't look pretty. Don't go for exact. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you got to feel it. You got to have an idea. Yeah. He's leaping, but you know, uh, yeah, just having the idea, you know, is the is the starting point. Well, to me, it sort of feels like um, it's kind of like sculpting because you take it and you move it and you bend it and you twist it and you move it and you bend it. And, you mm-hmm. know, you pull, put you add a little bit more, you take a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like what Gisema was doing in that uh, that rough drawing of of Thor, you could see him exploring. Mm-hmm. You're sort of doing that on layers. You're exploring the form and the possibilities, the feeling of it, you know? Right. Um, and back when I first started collecting original art, because I used to cl- try to collect art to learn from, mm-hmm. I would get, uh, there was a guy I would buy some, I bought some Basema stuff from. He would also toss in for free sometimes these rough layouts that Basema did for his pages. So he would do something like what you're doing there. He would have a original size of uh, uh, 11 by 17, you know, the same size he's drawing. And he would rough out his pages, break everything down with these really just fantastic meaty gesture drawings, put that on the light box, then do his finished pencil right off the top of that. So he had right. the energy beneath it and it was it was very eye-opening to see how he uh how he did that so right well this is i think this is as far as i take this <laughs> if it kind of gives you an idea of how to right. keep pushing it from the starting point 
Do you flop it a lot to, to see? Yeah, and um, because it lets me see things a little bit differently um, with, with each side. But, but yeah, so you can see by flopping it, I could see that it wasn't exciting. But then as I kept flopping it, I was like, okay, yeah, I can push his arm even further back, make it more whimsical. You know, because he, who, who would have their head kind of looking up past that? So I was like, okay, let me just go a little more cartoon with the gesture. Was, <laughs> but yeah, so there you are. So maybe what I'll just, uh, I'll post it up later and not, and not, what I'll just, I'll definitely tag you guys that this okay. was. Okay, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Sean. We, uh, it was great. Again, it was great. Uh, it was great seeing you last year in San Diego because this year there will be no San Diego. So I know that's affecting a lot of people's, uh, a lot of people's plans. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Uh, just announced that. And, uh, uh, so we're going to be sort of in a new era to see where we go, I think, right. uh, fandom and all the arts. Because a lot of people count on those shows to make a, make a living. They do. And I was really looking forward to it. Had a couple of new art books that were going to be launched. There. But you know what? We are in a state that we're in, and there's nothing we can do about it. We're just going to find, like I said, we're going to find different ways to, you know, to, um, to overcome this together. You know, so that, that's that's the bottom line. Awesome, right? Yeah, it was very nice talking with you guys. Uh, uh, hopefully, we can do it again, and then. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Thank yeah. you. We'd love, well, love to have you got, have you back, man. This was great. Thank right you so on. much. Thank you guys, and thank you everybody for your questions too. I appreciate it. All right, All right. thank you, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Take care. Take care. Thank you. All right, so uh, we had a, a great session with Sean Galloway, also known as Cheeks in the Streets. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I just want to do some housekeeping. Thank you guys so much for tuning in live and watching us on Facebook, uh, and uh, for people that are listening to us on our other audio channels. You can always go back and see the live thing on Facebook. Or pencil to pencil Facebook. Yeah, they're page. all archived on our page. Mm -hmm. um, and and soon I think we're going to start approaching YouTube, right, Mike? Yes, that's that's the uh, the the goal. And uh, I should uh, I guess we can sort of announce uh, we have a guest for next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have a Bill Ray uh, on, in the house. Um, and he can, uh, Bill. I've known Bill for for many, many, many years. Uh, he's a fantastic artist. Again, very mm -hmm. versatile. Mm -hmm. He's done everything from working on Ren and Stimpy and 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 comics and coloring comics to uh, doing his own comics. Um, he's been working on the first couple seasons of Harley Quinn as a background guy, background supervisor. Uh, and then he's a, a, a hell of a fine artist and a painter. So uh, mm -hmm. we're going to have Bill on the show next week to uh, uh, talk and share. And uh, again, uh, if you can send in some questions ahead of time, uh, that gives us a little bit of time to prepare for our guests because uh, everybody's very busy. And so mm -hmm. we always appreciate them taking their time out like Sean did tonight, uh, taking time uh, with, from his family to come on and talk with us. So, and it makes our job more fun mm -hmm. to get feedback from you uh, and know what you're also interested in uh, hearing from our guests. Yes. Well, well, well spoken, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. 
So yeah, thank you guys again. Uh, Mike and I have been having a blast uh, at this new iteration of the podcast. Uh, we're getting a lot of really great feedback. We're just going to keep doing these. So tell your friends, share, like, signal boost, all that stuff is really helpful to growing um, our, our reach. And uh, we hope to see you on Wednesday. Thank you guys. And, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.